episode 194, Hotshot Scott Mitch Unfiltered. Oh, that's where I am. Recording the podcast. Gotcha. You and your incredibly sunburned face. Oh, it's, yes. it's that sunburned. Have you ever heard of sunscreen? <laughs> I've heard of it. I'm not, I should be better at it. I'm just, I rarely use it. You got the whole white eyes from the... Oh, the sunglasses. The sunglasses. Oh, yeah. that's, that's no good. You're kind of a middle-aged man yeah. with a bad tan. <laughs> You're going to wake up tomorrow morning when this show is yeah. is actually dropping or whatever, they, when it's released, and it's going to be a lot... Oh, you're going to be in pain. It's not a good thing. Oh, I don't think I'll be in pain, but all the women I was going to go out with this week, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to go now, right? I mean, God dang it. I ruined it. Oh, <laughs> uh, you ruined it a lot yeah. a lot longer before this. But, <laughs> but when it's cloudy and it's windy, you don't really feel like you're getting the ultraviolets. You know what I'm saying? You got the ultraviolets. I did, it turns yeah, I'm, out. I'm looking at it. Okay. It's hard to look at. All right. <laughs> it's that bad. All right. U.S. Open pool. We've got a U.S. Open golf tournament coming up this week, and we do we do pools for all the majors thanks to Fireside Home Solutions. It works the same as always, so I'm telling everybody... Go to MitchUnfiltered.com. Click the link. It'll take you to Run My Pools. He does all a great job with all yes. the pools. Bill Sanders, oh, right? Yeah. And it's the same rules. You pick any five players in the field. Okay. They got to all make the cut. No trunk slamming. No trunk slamming. Okay. It's very easy. Pick any five players that you like. Mm-hmm. If they all make the cut and you have the best aggregate score, 500 bucks. There you go. From uh, Fireside Home Solutions. Top 20 get paid. Okay. Okay. They get something. They get something. Got the you. U.S. Open pool, MitchUnfiltered.com. Stump the band to begin episode 194. Oh, I am so... I was studying all weekend for Special this. Special for you because you are now a huge fan of women's sports. <laughs> so I, I figured that I would tailor make the Stump the Band of episode 194 for you. Really? Yeah. Are you ready? I am ready. How many women... Oh, boy. ...in WNBA history... Okay. ...have posted... Multiple triple double games in their career, and who are they? Multiple triple double games in their career. How many women have posted oh. multiple triple double games in their WNBA career, and who are they? I'm going to start with the number five. Five of them. It would be lower than that. Okay. Yes. Three. It would be lower than that. One. It would be higher than that. Two. Yes. And the All reason right. I asked yes. is because the second time it happened, the second the second player to ever do it multiple times yeah. did it this weekend. Brianna. No. Ah. Sabrina Ionescu. Oh, from Oregon, sure. From Oregon, the She's... former number one, and I just butchered her name, didn't I? Ionescu or Ionescu? They, yeah. they call her Ionescu. Okay. But I call, you can call her whatever She's you want. She's on like. the New York Liberty. I know that much. She's on the New York Liberty. Yeah. And in a loss to Chicago, 27 points, 13 rebounds, 12 assists. She's like Steph Curry out there. And she becomes the second woman to ever do it multiple times in a WNBA career. But here's why I asked the question. It's actually very impressive. The only other woman to do it. Yes. Would you like to guess? Yes. Lisa Leslie. No, but good choice. Cheryl Swoops. No, but good choice. Still playing. (gasps) It's not Sue Bird. No. Decent choice. (laughs) Asia. It's not Asia. AJA. No. Huh. Still playing. I should probably get this. I think a lot of people. Oh, uh, Sue Bird's buddy down there in Arizona. Diana Taurasi. There you go. Yes. No. (laughs) Great choice. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know. Still playing. How about Candy Parker? Oh, yeah. Candice Parker. Pretty good. Yeah. She's done it twice in her career. The second time at age 36. Yeah. 
So Sabrina Ionescu yeah. has now done it twice, and she's 24 years old. The only, only other woman to have done it did it at 24 and 36 years of age. That's pretty good. Incredible. Right? How yes. many more is she going to have between uh, now and when she's 36? She just launches from everywhere, and it there goes you in. Go. She's fun to watch. There you go. And in so doing, by the way, this past weekend, I'll give you another piece of trivia. She did it in three quarters. She only Whoa. needed three quarters to do it. She becomes the first women's basketball player to ever accomplish a triple-double in just three quarters. She's very impressive. Thank you. That's a good one. That's all I got. I I, I probably could have got that. That's all I got. Okay, that's it. I can leave? (laughs) Is that what you mean? (laughs) Mitch Unfiltered is available on all major podcast platforms. This is episode 194. Please, please, please rate and review us on Apple. It'd be nice. Yeah. Become a Mitch Unfiltered patron. $5 a month. You'll get all the access to all the bonus shows like Danny O'Neill and Slickhawk, and I say music entries, but I probably shouldn't say music entries anymore. <laughs> it'll come. It'll come. If you would like to be a patron, $5 a month with all that access, but it's an issue, the $5 a month, I will take care of you. Just write me directly at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com, like the following. did. It seems like everybody loved the Tracy Taylor oh, reunion last week. I got a lot of feedback on Did it. Did you? Yeah, on social media. Lots of positive oh, feedback? Everyone loved it, yeah. Really? Well, I don't think That's I, great. I don't think I really understood how big of a part of your show she was because I wasn't Huge. with you. Huge, Yeah, she was like your Robin Quivers or, you know, she was just... Yeah, but for a short time, For yes. a short time, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, people I, seem see, to love it. It's, see, I, I mean, I, look at all this email that I got. Hey, Mitch, great segment with Tracy Taylor. The best part of it was that skipping over that self-serving bullshit segment, your podcast was finally about the right length. Oh, Mitchie, please take me to lunch. DeAndre from Portland. Everybody loved the Tracy Taylor (laughs) segment. Dear Mitch, you seem terribly bored and disinterested in Tracy Taylor's visit to Unfiltered. Did someone make you do this or was it your idea? Writes Bill in Vancouver, Washington. Just loved it. Yeah. Gloria from San Diego. Okay. Hey, Mitch and Tracy, get a room. What? Short and sweet. <laughs> People loved it. Dear, dear unfiltered crew, this one writes. Phil writes, dear unfiltered crew, there's only one thing more surprising than Mitch passing on Tracy's wedding a few years back. Oh, boy. And that's the fact that Tracy thought the outcome would be any different. <laughs> Jeez. Mitch wouldn't, have, Mitch wouldn't have gone if the wedding were in his backyard. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> kind of true. Anyway, it seems like everybody loved the Tracy. I mean, you had to get some positive ones. Come on. I mean, people people I who hit me up were like ecstatic. They loved it. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, got a, I got a lot of nice feedback. Bored and disinterested? Did I seem bored? Well, here's the thing. How could one emailer say that I seemed bored and disinterested yeah. and another emailer says to get a room? Right. <laughs> based on the segment. So was I bored and disinterested right. or was I fawning over and we need to get a room? So which one is yeah, not going to be both? Let's put anyway. those two listeners in a room and have them fight it out to the death. Yeah. Let's do it. And I would have gone to her wedding if it was in my backyard. You would have, you think? Yes. It had to have been in my backyard, like yeah. not in the neighborhood. Oh, you can't have that. No, no, no. no. It's got to be. It's got to yeah. be in my backyard. Yeah, yeah. That this this emailer Phil is wrong about that. So. And food you don't like, you don't need any of that in your life, do you? I thought it was good. I enjoyed having her. I liked it too. I yeah. thought I had a lot she of fun. She seemed to really enjoy it. She, that's exactly right. Yeah, people were excited. We're going to go her. to lunch. Yeah, you, the three of us, are going uh, go to I'm lunch. In. You're in. Okay. Yeah. Actually, we already did it. <laughs> really? No. Oh. <laughs> I did talk to your old buddy Jeff Searcy about it. and Oh, you did? He had nice things to say about Tracy you as well. You keep in touch and... with a lot more people than I even know, don't you? 
Yeah, probably. It's funny because Hotshot keeps in touch with people that I ought to be keeping in touch with, and he has no really re real reason to do it. Yeah, it's kind of true. Yeah. So what did Searsy say about the? Uh, did he hear the segment? Yeah, he heard well, it, and yeah. he, he loves Tracy. And he thought it was hilarious. You know, it's yeah, just they a, work together. It's a fun yeah. trip down memory lane. I don't for think us. she liked Searsy very much. <laughs> Come on. Well, you heard her say I didn't like any of your producers. Did she not say that? Yeah, on the she kind of. By the way, was that an un, a new unfiltered Tracy who was just letting it fly? I mean, I can't get anything out of her when she was working at the news station. Yeah, I think she doesn't have to watch herself. She doesn't have to watch herself, does she? <laughs> there was a, yeah, there was an unfiltered element to Tracy. She didn't that. hold back on your buddy Schmidt either. Well, she never did. That she never did. Okay. She could have been working for CNN, yeah. and she would have gone off on <laughs> right, Schmitty. Fine. We got to get Schmitty. We got to find Schmitty yeah. and get his side of the story, don't you think? I'm, I would love to hear it. Well, that brings us to episode 194. I've got three guests. Okay. If you asked me, I'm trying to think about this for a second, if this is a true statement. If you asked me my five favorite sports writers of my lifetime to read, okay. I would say, if not the number one guy on my list, and Whoa. certainly somebody in the top five, is actually making his Mitch Unfiltered debut. Whoa, big time. And he's the centerpiece of a very funny story that happened on our morning show that a lot of our listeners will remember. Okay. Do you remember the name John Feinstein? Do I were remember you, were that you, name? I don't know if you... See, I'm, I'm sorry if you were around yes. when this all happened. Were you there when this happened? No. I uh, was not with you, but I remember you having him on okay, so do you, often. Okay. Yeah. You don't know that we haven't talked in 25, in 20 years. John Feinstein and I used to be friends when I lived in Washington, D.C., right. and then when I came out here, he was a regular... He was a regular contributor on the morning show weekly, yeah. I think on Tuesdays. And yeah, he and I had lunch last week. Great guy. Stop. I haven't it. seen him for a while, but it was Stop nice it. catching up. Stop it. No, but I think you told the story of the, of the falling out on the podcast at some point. I know we there was have a not big spoken a word to one another in 20 years. And wasn't there a funny voicemail? Yeah, he, he would not say that it was funny. <laughs> yeah, but the listeners might. <laughs> so do you know the the origin of the problem? Uh, so John Feinstein is a yes, best-selling author. I think so, but go ahead. The guest that's on... So John Feinstein isn't on this show. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the guest who is one of my top five sports writers, and I'm not just saying it because he's on the show. Yeah. I think a lot of people would agree with me. You know the name Rick Riley? Of course. Okay. Phenomenal sports writer. Awesome. Author of 15 books. Great in Sports Illustrated in yep. the... Like on the, ba the back page, the life of Riley, whatever. He and John Feinstein did not get... John Feinstein hates hates with a passion Rick Riley for whatever reason. Huh. And Riley's like, whatever. You know, yeah. I don't know that Riley hates Feinstein, but Feinstein hates Rick Riley. Okay. So they were on like an HBO show together when I was having John Feinstein on our show every Tuesday. Okay. And, but they weren't on the show together together. They were on different segments of some some debate show, some HBO like real sports show or something like that okay. with Brian Gumble. Okay. <laughs> and John Feinstein couldn't resist taking a shot. They both had books out at the same time. They're rivals. Sure. They both write books and they often come out at the same time. Feinstein took a shot at Rick Riley okay. on the HBO show. Riley's segment was first and then Feinstein came on and took a little shot. I don't even remember what he said. Okay. So when I had Rick Riley on the morning show on KJR the next time after that HBO show, yeah, I played the recording of the oh. HBO show of Feinstein on HBO. He'd already heard it. Okay, all right. Riley had already heard all it. Right. 
taking a shot. And Riley laughed and he said something along the lines of, you know, why is it that every time I see John Feinstein, can you picture John Feinstein? Yeah. Why is it that every time I see John Feinstein on TV, he looks constipated? Okay. And we all laughed and yeah, I thought, yeah. whatever. So the next time Feinstein was on the following Tuesday, I played the recording of Riley on our show saying that Feinstein uh, looks constipated and that was not a good idea. That didn't go over well, you're saying? That was the last time I ever spoke to John Feinstein. Literally, the middle, uh, while that wow. clip was playing, he hung up the phone. And when the clip was done and I went back to talk to him to laugh, thinking that he might take sure. a shot, yeah, yeah. I heard a dial, there was a dial tone. I have never spoken to him since. That was 20 years ago. Looking constipated? Set, set him off? All he the hates, things I've been called? He hates Rick Riley. Okay. Rick Riley, whatever. And so I don't know what to do. I'm in the middle of an, a segment with John Feinstein. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to do. Sandmeyer's sitting to my left. He says, just go to break. And I say, Feinstein's gone. And, and I realize, oh, shit. He didn't really take this very... Right. Right. And would you try to get him back on? Did you call then and be like... Oh, well, I was about to like call but there was already as soon as we went to break there was already a message on my cell phone my cell phone was like the light was blinking oh that there's gosh. a message and Feinstein was on the cell phone yeah on the message and he said something like Mitch Feinstein I want you to do me two favors number one have the station send me the money they owe me for this segment yeah. up until now and number two go fuck yourself <laughs> and not necessarily in that order <laughs> <gasps> wow, that, not playing around. He was so pissed. And then I think he may have said, what kind of a friend does that? And maybe he was right. May, uh, I was just trying I mean, to have fun. I was, I was trying to have fun. And that was it. Literally, I have never spoken word one to John Feinstein since. And when you got that voicemail, did you reach out at all? Or be like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to? Or I don't did you just I let did. it go? I, just let, I, just, I, I think I just let it go. I don't know. I don't remember... I just remember that there have been some funny incidents after that, like years later. Okay. There's a story about a, a friend of mine running into Feinstein, not knowing that there was a falling out. Oh, no. And going, hey, you know, you and I have a very good mutual friend. And oh. Feinstein's like, who? It was at the U.S. Open tennis. <laughs> and Feinstein's like, who? And the guy was like, Mitch Levy. Oh, no. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. And Feinstein just looked at him with like contempt and said, not a friend and walked away. Disaster. Still, yeah, and then there was Gosh. Feinstein had a book that came out. Okay, and I, I, I didn't know Feinstein had a book that came out years later. And you know how some of the publicity departments they send out, they want to get the authors on the show. Sure, yeah. So they didn't know they sent out all these, <laughs> and I booked them. You did, yeah. <laughs> and something tells me he didn't show. <laughs> I booked them. That's awesome. Hey, we want to talk about his book. Uh, we love John Feinstein. So Rick Riley, I'm going to remind Rick Riley that he is the reason that I don't speak to John when he's not really the reason. I'm the reason, but yeah, whatever. Not the first bridge that's been burned by a morning and radio host. And trust me, when I fell hard a few years ago, yeah. Feinstein was on social media. He was? Throwing, oh yeah. Really? Oh yeah, responding to people. Oh yeah. Even if he doesn't like you, I mean, that just seems a oh, little yeah. below the belt. Oh, oh, so he was uh, reveling in it. Oh yeah, a little bit, yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. By the way, Rick Riley yes. also wrote the Boz book that I loved. In Did he write? Grade. He's written 15 books. He's got a new book out, but I'm just going to talk to him. I mean, him and the Boz wrote it. I don't know if he, but it says with Rick Riley. So that's that's oh, how I, I first heard of the guy. Oh, I was really? Like, oh, the Boz. I've read three books and that's one of them. He's great. 
Yeah, no, he's he's really really good, great. really funny, really great. He's on the show. I'm gonna remind him of the whole Feinstein story. We'll get his version <laughs> Thanks, of the story. Thanks, He'll Rick. be guest number one. Uh, Jason Churchill will be guest number two. Prospect Insider, kind of a regular member now of Unfiltered, an unofficial regular member. We're gonna talk about the recent uptick of the Mariners. Yeah. Until this past weekend, where they lost two out of three to the Red Sox. Yeah. And then a retired navy number 3 is a retired navy jet fighter pilot. Whoa. He was in the navy for 20 years who took his life in that direction because of one reason. Would you like to guess why he became a 20-year-old <laughs> a 20-year navy jet fighter? I think a lot of people were inspired in 1986. 1986 by a specific movie. 1986. Yeah. Wait till you hear his reaction when I tell him I'm about the same age as him and I've never seen it. Uh, I, I, somebody I actually, never people were hitting me about that on social media. My wife can't believe it. How has Mitch never seen I've that movie? I've never seen it. And you're not going to. You're just going to dig in and just be like, man. I think you would like it, though. That's the uh, thing. Would I? Yeah, it's not all just planes and. I don't need planes. Yeah, I know. But I think you would like it. And then you get to go watch the sequel. It'd be I awesome. Remember, I told, I told uh, Slickhawk on our. On our peace show this yeah. past week that I hadn't seen it. And we started going through the things that he likes that I don't like. And finally, he just said, what do you like? Do you <laughs> right, like anything? Do you like movies? Do you like anything to eat? I mean, do you like anything? <laughs> do you like any people? Do you yeah. like any food? I know. Do you like anything? He's he was right. he was like exasperated. He's like, yeah. what do you like? Tell me, list, me, <laughs> list for me things that you like. Right. It was so funny. It was true. because I, I And then I realized I don't like anything. I don't. I don't like me. I don't like anything. That's true. You, you have Game of Thrones sitting out there. You probably never saw Breaking no, Bad. No, no, no. no I mean, that. all these incredible TV. They're just sitting there Nothing. for you. No, well, that's because I have gone and watched like a couple of the things that you that you recommended, yeah. and I wouldn't say that I didn't like them, but I wasn't very didn't grab you. No. Yeah. And so now I've lost interest in anything that you recommend. Yeah. I'm like, uh, it's probably okay. He just thinks that I'll like everything that he likes, and it's just not the I case. I think there's a chance you would like some things I like. Yeah, but the things that you mentioned, I, I'd watch a couple of the shows. I'm like, it's okay. It's not, you Okay. Know. What about The Staircase? Have you watched on HBO? No. Were you the one who brought up Stranger Things? Yes. Yeah, I don't know what that is either. Now, I have watched the <laughs> David, David a couple of the David Letterman things, and, and I will tell you this. This is kind of interesting. I don't know if I brought this up to you. You know that David Letterman has the Netflix thing. Yeah. He gets paid a ton of money to do like, what, six shows, yeah. five shows, whatever. My Next Guest, I think it's called. It's called My Next Guest. I like it because I kind of like Letterman, but I like that kind of show. Yeah. It resonates the interviewing with me. It's, process. It's the kind of show that I'd like to do someday. Yeah. Well, I'm not supposed to just name <laughs> Right. And I, I got this kind of interesting thing. He's done five new ones, and they all get released. And I've watched, like, the Cardi Cardi B. Yeah, sure. I've watched the Cardi B. I really liked her. Okay. I never, I didn't know anything about her, but I really liked big her. Big star, yeah. Some, is she a big star? Cardi B, yeah. Yeah, I don't know who she is. But she's very, very likable on the show. Okay. I really liked her. I don't yeah. even know why I watched that one. And I watched um, another one. I watched two of them. I'll tell you the one I have no interest in watching, and it's one of the five. Okay. Kevin Durant is one of the five. And I find myself literally completely uninterested. Like, that will be the last one if I yeah. even... I, I probably won't even get to that one. That's how much I've kind of soured on Kevin Durant since he was this lovable rookie in Seattle playing playing Xbox with guys down the block. And yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. In the last, like, 10 or 12 years, I've totally lost... Any interest in Kevin Durant, like zero, him personally, or just Everything. any NBA yes. athlete? You no, would no, watch. him personally. Huh? 
Yeah, not likable to me at all anymore. Grumpy, always in a bad mood. Okay. Doesn't seem to smile anymore. Yeah. No youthful exuberance. I lost it. And here's an here's a 45-minute deal with David Letterman. <laughs> right. I'm watching Cardi B. <laughs> right. You never even heard of her, and you like that one better. Yeah. Plus, I mean, how much do you already know about Kevin Durant? You know more than the average Probably. Person too. Probably. I mean, what what's he going to say that's going to be interesting? It kind of may go back to the whole not liking sports movies too, and right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Sports. Yeah. I'm like, no, I don't want. Yeah, sports is stupid. I'm trying I'm to think who you. the other one I watched that I liked. Cardi B and Cardi B was the second one, and there was one other that. Oh, I watched Julia Julia Louise Dreyfus. Sure, yeah, yeah, I liked it. Liked it very much. Did you watch Veep with her? No, no. Oh, I, God, I don't you, you don't watch anything. No, I watched Seinfeld with her, though. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's been it with your new shows, right? Three <laughs> guests, Rick Riley, Jason Churchill, and Doug Leto here on episode 194. Hot Shot episode 194, not possible. Without Daniel's broiler, Father's Day is just about here. Remember, Lindsay and Danny Schwartz are offering unfiltered listeners 15% off of their super popular drink mixers at Amazon, they sold like hotcakes around Christmas. They're doing it again for Father's Day and our listeners. The Old Fashioned Mixer, the Kentucky Mule, Whiskey Sour, Lavender Martini. The discount code at Amazon, Mitch15DB. Mitch15DB. Fireside Home Solutions, it's time for the U.S. Open Pool. Presented by Fireside, go to MitchUnfiltered.com. Pick five guys and you're in. John Waterstrat has been unbelievable in his support of our podcast. Start your search for a new fireplace unit or garage doors at firesidehomesolutions.com. The Kirkland Office of Cross Country Mortgage, navigating these rising interest rates with a deft touch. You're going to hear on this show, Jordan Flowers explain how they can help you with buying rental properties, second homes, and much more. Seven minutes is all you need on the phone with Jordan at 425-890-2957. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof, evergreengk.com. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. And Zeke's Pizza, a new location in Mill Creek, now open on Main Street. A new location in White Center, now open on 16th Avenue Southwest. Northwest-style pizza, the best craft beer selection anywhere, and to your door in no time with the Zeke's Pizza app. Homegrown in the Northwest. Episode 194 begins right now. Unfiltered. They've won four series in a row. Yes. But, but, they, but they've won them all by one game, and they and this yeah. is like, this is like the mound of vegetables. There's not. I don't feel like the the mound of vegetables. There's still five games under 500 after all of this. Unfiltered. In the deepest part of Pete Carroll's heart. I mean, layer. Let's peel layer after layer after layer of all the shtick and all the surface stuff. Let's get to the deepest cockles of Pete Carroll's heart. Do you believe that he truly legitimately believes, like, what is everybody talking about we're not going to be any good? Mitch is unfiltered. All righty. All righty. Yes. The official start to episode 194. And I have found something that I do like. Okay. 
like you. I like you. Oh, that's very nice. I do. I really like. Oh, you, you do. Yeah. Oh, that's 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 good to hear. Yeah. That that makes one of us. I'd like you more if you did more musical entries for the <laughs> B shows. Uh, yes, I know. And I actually was feeling inspired. I went back and listened to. Yeah. I kind of wanted to see where I left off. Yeah. So uh, it is it is inspiring me, but I've just been so busy. I mean, really, it's been it's been busy. But I I enjoy doing them. I do like doing them. It's not like I'm like, oh, I like editing audio and writing the stuff. I, I do like it, and I'm going to get to it. What would you do if I never did any of them? I, I accept I accept that you're busy, yeah, but not wholeheartedly. Okay. Because I happen to know there comes a time when everybody goes to sleep at night. Oh, yeah. Every once in a while. Yeah, that's uh, TV watching time. Where you could, if you felt inspired, yeah. you could go into your little cave mm-hmm. and bust one out pretty easily. Couple of nights of that, bam, we got a new one. We're all enjoying it. You haven't taken any time away from softball. You haven't taken any time away from the new business venture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, an hour here, an hour there. After the, the house gets quiet. Yeah, oh, the best. I happen to know that that time exists, <laughs> yeah. but you're not giving it to us. And look, I... Who am I to tell you that you have to do it? I'm telling you, I like you a lot. Oh, I'd like nice. you more if you'd use that time. Buttering up helps. Go ahead. Yes, more, more <laughs> of that, please. Yes, very nice, very handsome. So Saturday night, this past Saturday night, mm-hmm. or Saturday afternoon, I look out. We, we had a, a, a kind of a full day. I look out, and it's beautiful outside. And I Wasn't decide it? at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock, I'm going to take my ass to the golf course. Okay. And I'm going to hit some golf balls. I might even walk a few holes by myself. A, a beautiful Saturday evening. I did that hit some balls, got in the car, and now it's 5.45, and I'm driving home. Yeah. And it is gorgeous out. And it was supposed to, I thought it was supposed to rain all weekend. It's crazy. We had tournaments in Tacoma. They, yes. They played them. It got kind of hot out. Look at my face, for God's sake. Well, I, yeah. And then 20 minutes. Summer rental, John Candy. <laughs> 20 minutes up the road in Federal Way, they canceled everything because they thought it was just going to rain. But it didn't. It didn't, yeah. It was, it was actually it, sunny. I, when I was driving home at 5.45, I think... A, there wasn't a cloud in the sky, and I think it was probably a good 70 degrees, yeah. maybe even hotter than 70. And I decide, it's so nice out. Let's do something outside. So I call in from the car as I'm driving home, okay. and I say to my my wife and my son, the other son's there out working, so he's out of the, out of the mix. I say to my wife and son, let's go to the Mariners game. Hey. They're playing the Red Sox. Yeah. And they're like, what time does the game start? I'm like, 7.10. They're like, it's 6 o'clock. Do we have tickets? No. Where are you driving home? I yeah. said, I don't care if we get there late. Let's just let's just do something. Let's just spontaneously yeah. get in the car. I'll get online when I get home. How, how much could it cost <clears throat> to go to the Mariners to see the Mariners and the Red Sox? I'll get a few seats. We'll go. We'll just have dinner there. We'll get there when we get there. Awesome. We'll leave when we leave. Let's just go take it. We haven't been to a baseball game. I haven't been to a baseball game all year. You're known as Mr. Spontaneity around the house, so this is something <laughs> that they expect, right? <laughs> I mean, the fact that you're just wanting to take it a game with an hour before the first pitch is incredible. Well, actually, the truth of the matter is, is that I used to be a season ticket holder. I had all these games that I hardly, I mean, I'd go to 15 games or 20 games. I couldn't yeah. go to anyone. But ever since I gave up my season tickets, and in the last few years, I go to very few games. I go to very few. Fam- the truth is that when I do go to a game, it's like that. It's like it's Friday night or Friday afternoon or it's Saturday okay. afternoon. And I'm like, no planning beautiful. ahead. You we just, have no plans. Okay. It's beautiful out. Let's just go down to the game. Yeah. Or I'll see on Saturday night that tomorrow, Sunday afternoon is supposed to be perfect. Let's just, does anybody, does Brett have any games? 
Typically, the answer is yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> when he does, we'll just, th- those are actually, that's when I do go to the games. Okay. Spontaneous. So I went to the, I went to the Saturday night game. Well, wow, that, this sounds, this sounds a little tough. The Red Sox are in town and it's Saturday night. I got tickets. They were a little more expensive online than I would have thought. Okay. Hey, but whole, at least you got your tickets. You didn't get scammed. No, by these was it Jerry Seinfeld. Okay, good, good. I got tickets. It was, it, it turned out to be a very expensive evening. Yeah. It's Okay. The three of us went down, and we had a hell of a time. Seats? What were the seats? Oh, I don't know. We sat, like, equal on the side of what I would say short right field. So on the side. Yeah, on yeah. The, and then, like, maybe 30 rows up in the first, in the first section. Oh, okay, good. So they were, they were fine. They cost $53 a pop. Oh, that's not too bad at all for that. I, I think that they don't cost that much if it's not the boss. I think the boss, there's dynamic pricing. I think it depends oh, gotcha. on who the, yeah, yeah. who the opponent was. So we went there, and tons of Red Sox, more Red Sox fans than Mariners fans. Schmitty was there, I heard. But we, uh, not not sitting next to Tracy. <laughs> no, he wasn't. It was a hell of a night. Oh, good. Well, you know the story of the game, right? And the game is kind of secondary to the night. It was just a beautiful night. Yeah. Not a cloud in the sky. They they won in the bottom of the ninth. They scored two runs in the bottom of the ninth yeah, to yeah. win the one game that they won against the Red Sox. They had fallen behind, and literally the two least likely culprits to 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 come through at the end on the entire Mariners team did this guy Toro and 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 Dylan Moore oh, yeah. came through with two out hits <laughs> Toro's they, hitting like 188 this year yeah they're both <laughs> two guys that you wouldn't give any kind of a chance to do it yeah, yeah. they come through awesome. they go into the bottom of the ninth down one with two outs and they score two to win it uh, Julio Rodriguez Great. it's a home run in my first time that I ever seen hey. I mean it was just a beautiful night and I yeah. just I have a few things to say about that. Okay. <laughs> Number one is you don't... When was the last time you were at a Mariners game? A year ago. Okay, you went... Uh, no, uh, yeah, a year ago. Every single time I go, of course, I only go when it's nice out. I'm a fair weather guy. I do spontaneously, whatever. But every time I go, I sit there and I go, this is a hell of a night. It just feels... No? No, I... I, I it was, feels good. Every time I go, I'm... The smell. I'm every, just reminded about how great the experience is. I'll it's be, a great experience. It is. It's a beautiful ballpark. I've forgotten. I, I always forget, but they do a hell of a job there. And, and it really doesn't matter how bad the, the team is. Yeah. It's, it's just a nice night. It's great. The views. Yep. The, you can see the city. Yeah, yeah I know. It's, it's, the smell. The, uh, it's, the whole thing is a great... And I... And I always forget that. I seem to forget Same. that. Yep. It's really, really a fun time. It so, is. So, I don't know. I don't even know why I'm saying this. I'm just telling you. <laughs> it was a great. We had a we had a great time. Great. I will make a few I was random waiting. observations. I was waiting for this. Yes. No. No. There's nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> the peanut guy hit you in the nose when you weren't looking with a bag of no an errant bag of peanuts. First of all, I think seats, parking, forty bucks. Food, 50 bucks, couple of hats. I think we were three or $400 in by the end of the night. What do you mean, couple hats? Well, my wife wanted a hat and my son wanted Oh, you bought hat. like at the, at the team store? You yeah, at the show. end, oh, we, gotcha. were, we were excited that they won. We went into the team That's store. That's how they, they get you. That's how they get you. They got us a hat. <laughs> All right. They each got a hat. Yeah, the 40 bucks for parking is a little... 40 bucks for parking? And how far away are we talking? Not far. Okay. I mean, I was kind of in the alley, you know, that alleyway that closes towards Seahawks Stadium? Yes. I don't think they call it Seahawks Stadium anymore. No, they, they sure don't, but I got you, yeah. yeah. Not an inexpensive night. I I always thought, you know, baseball was one, the one sport where you could go on the chair. And I guess if we would have sat upstairs. That's right. And don't eat there. And don't eat there. Bring, bring like some candy corn in or whatever the hell Take it is. Take the bus. 
Take the bus down. <laughs> yes, you could you could do it on the cheap. You could do it for, for five, six hundred dollars if you do that. That's right. <laughs> a couple of other random observations about my night at the ballpark. Okay. Number one, I can't believe how many Robinson Cano jerseys I still see. Oh. See, Seahawk fans are the worst too. I, there, we have a thing called anything football. People wear, just wear anything football to Seahawks games. Correct. It's crazy that people don't update their their no. their jersey wear. No. Is it because the jerseys are so expensive? Probably. Robinson Cano. How many years has it been? Well, why are why are there more Robinson Cano jerseys than Junior than Ken Griffey Junior jersey? Why are there more Robinson Cano jerseys than Felix Hernandez? Yeah. Okay. He came here. He was here a few years. He was kind of okay. It was kind of exciting when they got him. Then they couldn't get rid of him fast enough. He and his steroids and his big contract. And <laughs> 22s all over the state. I couldn't believe it. It was almost like it was Robinson Cano night. Like they were going to bring him out. <laughs> they were going to like wheel him out in the, in the middle of the sixth <laughs> inning and put his name up. The whole world was wearing Robinson Cano jerseys. Oh, they, I, couldn't, I couldn't understand They that. were handing them out, uh, but you got the, you guys got there late. So you, you didn't late. get yours. Yeah, yeah. Robinson Cano night. You're right. With they a hot dog, you buy a hot dog and a peanut, you get a Robinson <laughs> Cano. Everybody was wearing Robinson Cano jerseys. I couldn't believe how that many was, there were. I mean, was that the biggest free agent signing for the Mariners at the time? I mean, that was a big deal when they went out and got him. So maybe everyone just invested. He's well, going to be trade, here forever. They, 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 oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When they went out and got him, as a, you know, when they... Yeah, I mean, when him. they brought him in, that was a big deal. So yeah. everyone invested in their jerseys. I feel like I should go out and buy everybody's Cano jersey back. Right. <laughs> and then put them in some sort of a bin and send them away and give them cash enough, everybody cash enough to buy an update. Buy yourself a Julio. Shouldn't Julio Rodriguez be the now the jersey now for the next 10 or 12 yes. years? If I'm buying a jersey, like I look at it like a stock. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Julio Rodriguez. Pretty good chance he'll be here for a while, right? I would. Th if he's not, we got a real problem. We got a problem. We yes. got a bigger problem. Than That's the one else. I would buy. Do you think there's some fans who honestly don't know that he's not on the team anymore? Do you think there are? <laughs> there might be people walking around going, I don't know who's on. I just like going to the game. Bought my tickets today. I'm ready to go. And how do the people feel that are walking around in Jared Kelnick jerseys? Yeah, that's a stock that, yeah. That's the opposite of the... When they went in and got that jersey, they were like, oh. okay, this... Th there's going to be a statue of him in 25 years in front of this. This is going to actually go up in value, increase in value. I'm going to be able to sell this thing That's in a right. couple of years for more than I paid it for. Yeah. At least he's still uh, in the organization. That's still well, better than now. Robinson Cano. By the way, have you checked on his stats lately or no? And how he's doing in Tacoma? I haven't looked. Who are we talking about? Kelnick, Kelnick or yeah. Cano? Yeah, Kelnick. Kelnick has a good handful of home runs and a lot of strikeouts. Okay. And he's hitting about 300, 305. Yeah, I, I actually look at the box scores every night. Okay. That's why I asked. Painful. Yeah. To do. Anyway, and then they, I'll, I'll make one other observation, and this is totally random. A few years ago, and look, I, I am not someone here who is tone deaf to the idea that people were getting hurt in the stands by line drive. You remember some people, I, somebody may have died at a baseball stadium yeah. on a line drive foul ball, and then they decided for precautionary reasons to extend the netting. Yep. You know what I'm talking of course, about? Yeah. It extends pretty far down uh, down first and third. Yeah. I sat there, I was I couldn't stop looking at it. And it's not like I haven't been there in the last few years. I've been to many, many games. Yeah. But it just dawned on me Saturday night. It's the ugliest eyesore you've they've got all of these suspension cables. I mean, it, it yeah. looks terrible. Yeah. It's distracting. It looks like a circus where there's a high wire act. I mean, and my even my son says, 
you would think they'd be able to design a better, you know, have the same safety mechanism. Yeah. A lot of the cables and cords didn't even look like they were necessary. They're hanging. And oh, mixed, there's like two uh, here and three there. There's yeah. tic-tac-toe over here. And I'm like, for a beautiful ballpark on a beautiful night, you're watching a game. Yeah. I was literally obsessed <laughs> the whole night. I was looking at these cables Great. and suspension cords and yeah. like, I'm not saying to do away with them, but there's got to be somebody out there in 2022 yeah. that can design sleeker looking ones that are less obvious. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> right. it looks like they went to a preschool. They said, hey, we need some new precautionary measures. Yeah. And the, like preschoolers designed. Oh, really? It's like it was like <laughs> in the middle of the night, they went up. Yeah. They, they didn't even turn the lights on to try to look at what they're doing. It just looks terrible. Okay. It looks awful. It's terrible. I didn't notice it last time, but now I really want to see it. It's terrible. Okay. I it's can't terrible. wait. There's got to be somebody out there that can invent one for all of the ballparks. Yeah. That's sleek. That's not in your way. That doesn't have extra cords and wires. And I thought somebody was going up on a trapeze at, at one point. It, it actually reminds you of the of the circus. It's like the Little same the kind circus. of netting. And they're in. And then the guys are throwing foul balls. So they have to throw them over the net. Yeah. And it was just, no. Yeah. I don't like it. All right. All right. I'm going to fix it for you. How are you going to fix I'll it? I'll go down to Home Depot and get the, get, get the goods and go down there and fix it for you. All of this is kind of a way to put off a conversation that I think we need to have on Unfiltered. Yeah, I know. Because the biggest story in the world of sports, and people, I know people can say, oh, here he goes with golf. It's not really, a, this is not a golf story. No. This is a super, to me, and I know I asked you to think about it and, and bring some thoughts to the table here. This Saudi Arabian thing that's going on in the world, mm -hmm. They're just doling out money. Yes. They call it sports washing to try to take the eye off of their reputation. Right. Their their atrocious ways of treating people. And PGA Tour members, golfers are going over there, taking all kinds of money, what people are describing as blood money. And they're going over, they're ditching the PGA Tour. And that's not really this. The story to me, it, 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 look, there's lots of layers to this story. Lots. Including the PGA Tour's reaction and should they suspend them and not... To me, I'm going to put all that aside and really go for the low-hanging fruit, which is what Mitch Unfiltered is all about. <laughs> yes. The low-hanging fruit. It is so sad to me, so sad, that guys like this that are already wealthy, this is the 0.01% of wealth in the United States. Phil Mickelson, and I don't mean to make this about Phil Mickelson. Yeah. He's made $700 million in his life. Where do we draw the line? If Hitler was still alive today mm -hmm. and he decided in his old age, I'm going to start a little golf tour. I'm going to pay hundreds of millions. Would, would these players take money from Hitler to go play golf? I mean, where? Where yeah. do you? You've got guys like Phil Mickelson getting $200 million to play, the rumor is. You've got Dustin Johnson getting $100 million. Yeah. Bryson DeChambeau, $100 million. Patrick Reed, $50 million. Ricky Fowler, $100 million. Whatever it is, all of these guys, every last one of them, is willing, willing to just ignore that they're doing business with the most reprehensible people in the world. A regime that was partly responsible for 15 of the 19 hijackers 
that flew planes into the World Trade Center and, and directly led to the most catastrophic day yeah. in American history. And that was 20 years ago. They've done some stuff since, too. I mean, it's like, these yeah. are These are people that are executing journalists because they don't like what they write. Oh, yeah. These are people that are torturing and murdering innocent people because of their sexual orientation. These are truly, this is truly the scum of today's earth. And all of these guys are just taking money to go play, taking money from them like it's nothing. So sad. Where do we draw the line? Who don't you take money? At what point is money a little bit secondary to the principal involved? Well, I, I like to do what's best for my family. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember who said that. One of yeah. them said that. Best All of them that. said that. Yeah. I, I've, Dustin I've, Johnson said that. I've seen the good that golf can do for people. So, you know, this justifying it and rationalizing it the whole time. Money for years has typically trumped principles right Trump, i mean yeah it's but, not uncommon but as for I that say, to happen where do we draw yeah, the where line? do we draw the line I, I'm, I'm i'm serious i'm dead serious would dustin johnson take money from hitler if hitler off hitler were alive and he offered dustin johnson 100 million to come play golf would he go over there would phil mickelson take 200 million to go play in eight golf tournaments sponsored by hitler if he was still alive i guess i'm to believe the answer is yes or maybe phil mickelson would say oh no that's much worse six million jews yeah, it's is not it, quite apples to apples. It was yeah. only five thousand on nine eleven. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. six million. I mean, don't don't compare Hitler to these guys. You might be able to kind of look the other way if we were talking about people that were so poor and needed the money. Like if you would have got a hold of nineteen year old me, I, I would have muled drugs across the border for five grand because right. I was broke, right? right. So yeah, it's, right. you do different things when you're in need. Dustin Johnson. He makes 15 or 20 million dollars a year. He's going to make 15 to 20 million dollars a year for the next 10 years playing on the PGA Tour. Phil Mickelson, as I said, has made 750 million in his career. DeChambeau, Ricky Fowler is the one that hurts the most. Of all of them, and this is now, now I'm getting a little golfies okay. on you. Yeah, yeah. I'll get a little golfies. You know, Dustin Johnson is dumber than a rock. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He's he's oblivious to what's going okay. on. Okay. Phil Mickelson, you know how I feel about him. DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, bad guy. I don't Pretty like unlikable it. guys. No, yeah. unlike okay. Ricky Fowler. Yeah, that hurts. Ricky freaking Fowler. Now, I know people would say in the golf world, they'd say, well, Ricky's struggling. He can't get into the U.S. Open anymore, and he's really in a slump yeah. or whatever. How many times do you turn the TV on and see Ricky Fowler on TV endorsing a product and people wearing the orange? And yeah. He is fabulously wealthy. <laughs> he doesn't need this. Families of the have you read that families of the 9-11 victims yeah, are pleading. sending letters to yeah. Phil Mickelson and Ricky Fowler and Dustin Johnson. I'll quote our community wishes to express our outrage at your partnership with LIV Golf and remind you of the responsibility that your new business partner, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, shoulders for providing the financial support and logistical support that enabled the terrorists to attack our nation and kill our loved ones. You have sold us out. This is a betrayal not only to us, but to all of your countrymen. I just want to know, why do you think golfers are being, they're being singled out? Because there's an F1 race in Saudi Arabia. Right. They, they, they've, they're buying Premier League soccer teams. Right. The ads for uh, Aramco, which is the, you know, the trillion dollar you know, fossil fuel company. Those ads run all the time. Why are golfers being singled out, I wonder? Well, like, I just, why is this the one I that... I think there's an extreme to this. Probably no different at the end of the day, but how would you feel if you're Jamal Khashoggi's fiance? Yeah. 
if they still carry on and play as if everything is normal, then they should be banned from playing in the world's major tournaments. Jamal Khashoggi's fiance wrote to the USA Today, this will show that there are consequences for supporting murderers. This is the fiance of the journalist that was executed by these people. Yeah. And they don't have a dollar coming in. Not a dollar of revenue coming in. Well, they do with the gas pump. All, yeah. All they, <laughs> they got a few coming in All there. they do is just write checks. Yeah. There's no advertising. There's no... It's not even on TV. The, game, the, the tournament wasn't oh, even not... on TV. It was oh. on YouTube. <laughs> they, they broadcast it on their own, like we do, like a, their own YouTube channel. Wow. Sports washing. That's what they call it. Sports yeah. washing. I've heard that term for the first time, but I've heard it a lot in the yeah. past like week. Yeah. Sports washing. Doing. Ugh. God. Yeah. It's brutal. I don't know. Three interviews. I think you'll get a kick out of Rick Riley. Other stuff segment coming up. Mitch Unfiltered. Hey, let's stop for a minute and welcome back to the show, Lindsey Schwartz, the CEO of my favorite steakhouse, Daniel's Broiler. I I'm upset, Lindsey. I'm still upset. What's going on? I hope it's not something I did. Well, it's what you said, that Mother's Day weekend is such a huge one for you guys, but Father's Day coming up, June 19th, by the way, doesn't stack up, and I want to know why. Why can't dads like me get a USDA steak at Daniel's Broiler just like moms do on their day. I don't get it. Well, you can get one. It's just that you have to get the family to agree to go there with you. And I'm not sure why that is. And, and you know something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask my wife and kids when I get home, what's up with that? Shouldn't the family want to do what dad wants to do on Sunday? I mean, should it be difficult if we say, I want to go to Daniel's Broiler on Sunday, that the whole crew would get in the car and go with you to Daniel's Broiler? I mean, it's one day a year. Come on, right? <laughs> Last year, I'll have you know that Lindsey Schwartz and brother Danny decided to make available to the public the Daniel's Broiler cocktail mixers, and it was a huge success. It started with the old-fashioned and branched off to others, and I'm not a huge drinker, and I don't understand the story behind this. What makes your mixers different than, let's say, another restaurant or another bar? And what would make them successful online? I don't get that. You know, it's all about quality ingredients, just like with all the food, all the steaks, everything we do in the restaurants, we look for the best available ingredients. And we do the same thing with our cocktails and, and all the ingredients that we use. We use organic ingredients whenever we can, GMO-free, it's all natural. And that's what makes them great. We've been doing it for a long time, since 1980, when the first Daniels opened. So you're selling them at QFC, Amazon.com, and you have a new vendor, right? Yeah, uh, they're doing a test at Total Wine and Spirits at three stores at the uh, the locations in Northgate, Inner Bay, and Bellevue. So hopefully listeners will go check it out. Nice. But you're prepared like you did last year around Father's Day to offer Mitch Unfiltered listeners a discount. But you got to do it at Amazon.com. What are you willing to offer this time around? Lindsay. You know what? Let's go 15% off. So okay. if you use the code MITCH15DB, type that in on Amazon, you'll get 15% off. Okay. So MITCH15DB, as in Daniel's Broiler at Amazon, 15% off of what price? What's the normal price? 19 bucks. So 19 bucks minus 15%. And 15%, Syracuse Math tells me 190 plus 95. So 285 off at Amazon.com for the world-famous, the now world-famous Daniel's Broiler Mixers and Daniel's Broiler for Father's Day. We love that idea. A world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered.
Unfiltered. I love Phil, but Phil always tries to be 23% more clever than he needs to be. And it's in that 23% sometimes when he says stupid crap. And some of that take was so stupid. I've covered that guy since he was in college. He, you can tell when he knows he's on the record and when he isn't. So those to me were absolutely quotes where he didn't realize he was being quoted. Well, 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 excited for our next guest. I've been a longtime fan of this award-winning sports writer, best-selling author a million times over. Even though he was at the center of the end of my friendship with John Feinstein, <laughs> you don't think I'm not going <laughs> to remind him of that. <laughs> His new book is called So Help Me Golf. It's available everywhere where books are sold. Still waiting for my signed copy. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Rick Riley. Do I do I really have to buy it? I mean, you and I have played golf at Bel Air Country Club. We've had a meal together. How much is this going to set me back? I think it's $29.95. And uh, yeah, maybe you could get an installment loan. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to remember how you played that day. Seems like you hit it good, putted bad. Yes, that's the story of my life. Hit story a good of everyone's putt. life. Yes, hit a good. Right? Do you still do you feel badly about the John Feinstein thing twenty years later? Or don't you? You don't even remember it. Give me the details. You and John were on a show, an HBO show, and you had different. Seg- you weren't on together, but you were on the same show, and he took a shot at you, and he was, of course. He was on our show once a week. You were on a lot when I did the radio show and I play, I replayed the HBO piece to you. And your comment to me was, why is it that every time I see John Feinstein on the TV, he looks constipated? <laughs> and so I, of course, turned around and replayed that for him the following Tuesday. Oh, no, you're such a... Okay. And then by the time the audio clip had ended of you calling him constipated... There was a dial tone on the phone from him <laughs> for his appearance on our show. We went to a commercial break. <laughs> okay. And there was a voicemail waiting for me during the commercial break. And I kid you not, it's 20 years ago. It's the last time he's ever talked to me. Here's, <laughs> here's what the voicemail said. Mitch Feinstein, I want you to do me two favors. Number one, have the radio station send me the money that it owes me. And number two, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and how many of those were you able to accomplish? <laughs> oh, and then he said, and not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Hey, at least you got paid. Uh, I've been on here a million times and never got a dime. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. So another one is just number 15, number 14, number 16. What is this? I think it's 15, but this one is one I've been saving string on for probably 40 years Yeah. Uh, about all the reasons we all, well, people like me are so addicted and so in love with golf. They're all about the length of my old SI column, mm-hmm. about 800 to a thousand words. They're all new things you haven't read before. And uh, look, can I just give you a quick example of what's sure. in the book? Sure. At La Hinch in Ireland, there's a blind par three. That means you can't hit, you can't see the green. It's a par three. So you got to hit for this rock over this hill. Mm -hmm. And the rock is kind of where the pin is and it moves every day, except sometimes the greenskeeper's drunk and forgets to move (laughs) it. So you're hitting 
completely the wrong flag. Yeah. And in one in one hour and a half span, 1997, four guys made holes in one in an hour and a half. And it's the greatest, crazy, numerical oddity of all time. So in the bar, the Hinch tiny little bar is the greatest night in the bar's history, right? Everybody's buying each other's drinks. The caddies got in there for some reason. The townspeople are all in there. It's the greatest bartender's making his whole rent money in a single night yeah. until, until his wife walks in holding the ear of their six-year-old little boy. And she marches the boy back behind the bar and says to the boy, you tell your da what you've been doing this fine day, you little rascal. And, and the little boy looks up at his dad and says, I was putting balls in the hole. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> apparently he'd been behind a tree and he'd wait till the balls came and he'd take one ball <laughs> and put it in the hole and go hide again just to see grown men like going crazy <laughs> each other and taking their shirts off like Brandy Chastain. And, and so, so the bartender's like, He's making beers. He's making Jameson. And he can't believe what's just happened. And the lady and the wife says, aren't you going to do anything or say anything to the lad? And he says, yes. And he picks the kid up and kisses him on the forehead. It says, great job. <laughs> and that's, that's how four people made holes in one. I don't realize it to this day. Oh, gosh. Great stuff. And it's all in the book. Listen. You and I have laughed a lot over the years, but I want you to talk about a serious, a little bit of a serious subject. You've called this multiple times your kind of Valentine to the game of golf, which you've loved for so many years, but it wasn't at the beginning such a great thing for you, golf. Golf had a painful meaning to you when you were a young kid, right? Explain. Yeah, my dad was a drunk. He was a drunk golfer, and he'd play three times a week, and he'd come home drunk and mean, and... um violence and he broke my mom's nose once broke things you know when you're six years old you know you you can't tell the difference between a guy falling down and trying to break things and so we'd all hide i mean i had three other uh siblings and we'd all hide and the worst mitch though was when he he'd get so drunk he'd forget to take his spikes off mm. and then the, you could hear the spikes coming up the sidewalk oh. and it still gives me that icy feeling in my stomach Cause that like, that was going to be troubling. And it was kind of like living in a minefield where you never knew when it was going to explode. And, um, it was terrible. And I always blamed golf uh, and, and I had no idea. I just thought golf was where dads went to get mean and drunk and come home and wreck your life. But my brother, when he was 17 and I was 11, took me to the range for the first time and said, we're going to, I'm going to show you golf. He's like, and I'm like, I'm not going. And he dragged me there and he it was an amazing place where people are hitting golf balls and nobody's drunk and the ball's flying 250 yards. And it hit me pretty soon after that, that it wasn't golf's fault. It was my dad's fault. And so my brother and I began playing a lot of golf wherever we were sure my dad wasn't going to be. Mm. And that's how I fell in love with this game. And I think, I think for that reason, I maybe loved it more than most people because it was sort of a refuge. And my brother kind of raised me because my mother was always kind of hiding and, and sickly. Oh. And so golf and my brother kind of raised me. And so that's kind of what the book's about. How about the relationship with your dad? Did it settle down? 
Well, about 65 years old, he got sober. I remember I wanted to tell him how I felt. And so I took, I invited him to Augusta for the masters and we landed in Atlanta and I knew there was that two hour drive yep. in, in the car. And I've worked up all my courage because inside you're still that six year old boy who's scared of his dad. And I said, why were you such a terrible dad? You know, why did you, why were you hitting people and breaking things? And he goes, I'm so, so sorry. I said, I don't, he said, I don't even know what I did. All it was, I had to have the next drink. And he apologized about 20 times on that two hour drive. And I'm telling you, man, I could have floated out of that car. I mean, I was just, I just was a thousand pounds lighter. And you might say, well, then you had a great relationship with your dad after that. Not really. Cause he's, he started to get too old and couldn't hear. So it wasn't as good. And I missed all that. But, um, so, but I do tell, uh, some stories about stuff like that, 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 um, changed people's life. There was, there's a story about a guy, my dad knew the guy that gave him lessons. His name was Saul Goldberg mm -hmm. and he was a little pro in a little course. And then he got fired and, but we would play with him. Saul was pretty good. You know, of course he took our money playing golf, five, 10 bucks. And he'd always lose a hundred playing dice. And pretty <laughs> soon we found out he's living behind the Seven Eleven in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, and he's in a little apartment and doesn't even have enough money for a TV set. So we're like, what do we do? What do we do? And we said, well, let's just buy him a TV set for old Saul. Cause everybody likes Saul Goldberg. Mm -hmm. And then someone said, no, that'll just make him feel worse. So we forgot that idea. And then six months later, we had a raffle and the first place prize was a new big screen TV set. And so everybody bought a $10 raffle ticket and I bought five, my brother bought five and even Saul Goldberg bought one ticket. And then the way, the way that Chris picked the name out of the hat and lo and behold, the winner is Saul Goldberg. And he jumps up. He's 75 years old at this point. And he's like a kid, like sucks to be you guys. I'm the luckiest guy in town. And so, uh, you know, they strapped the TV to the top of his car and, and, uh, he drove off like, I'm lucky you're not. See you around, <laughs> suckers. But nobody, Mitch, nobody in our whole gang yeah. told him that every single person in the raffle Put <laughs> had written Saul. They'd all written Saul Goldberg on the. And he never knew. Uh, and that's what I mean about golf kind of being yeah. more than a game. It's kind of like, yeah. in a weird way, it's your, this family you have for better or worse, you know? Mm. Tell us a story about your hole in one at Hillcrest. I'm playing with a buddy of mine and Al Michaels, the announcer, right? Yeah. Al's not a very good golfer, but he's a great guy. And so I hit this shot at Hillcrest in LA and it's probably 160 yards and it goes right over the pin, but it's too long. But then it starts spinning backwards and Al Michaels launches into play-by-play -play mode. Like that great <laughs> mode we've all, we've all heard. And it's like, he goes, I'll never forget. He goes, hold on, folks. We're not done yet. It could be. It might be. It is an ace for Rick Riley. Hillcrest number 60. And he just goes into it so perfectly. And I'm running around. And I thought, oh, my God, I wish I'd had that on tape. But really, Mitch, like, might as well be on tape because I can yeah. hear him right now saying. Beautiful. That's that beautiful. You've been asked this a million times on your book tour, so I'll make it a million and one. I know, and you and I have joked about this. You're a huge Phil Mickelson guy. You've always been a huge uh, Phil Mickelson fan and friend. The LIV Mickelson's playing. A lot of guys are now deciding to, to jump ship for the money. DJ and Reed and DeChambeau. 
What do you make of all this? What do you make of everything that's happening? I know that uh, your shtick is 23% of what he says is, uh, is he, he goes 23% too far and that's where he gets himself in trouble, right? Okay, well, let's start with your first question. Yeah. I'm so disappointed in Phil. I'm so bummed. I hate this decision. Phil knows because Phil reads that the Saudis, sometimes if, they, if, you, if you admit you're gay, you disappear. Mm-hmm. Dissenters are executed. Uh, they have one of the worst human rights uh, records in the world. And he knows this because he said in that book, he said, I know they're MFers and I know they murder people and they kill journalists at the Jamal Khashoggi. So how can he do this? No matter how much money they offered him, which we know was probably about 200 million. I don't care. I wouldn't go for a billion dollars and take that blood money because you know what, Phil, you can buy a new jet, but all those bloody checks are going to stain your white seats in your new jet. I'm so disappointed. I thought he was a better man than this. And, you know, I know his sister, I know his family really well, and they're not saying how they feel, but I'm sorry. It's a terrible decision. And this Saudi golf thing is going to wreck golf. Could It has the potential, Mitch, to wreck golf because now we don't know. Today, the PGA Tour said you're banned. But of course, they didn't say for how long. Could wreck the Ryder Cups. Could wreck the could wreck President's Cups. We don't know how the Masters is going to react to these guys jumping ship. Are they allowed in? Yeah, U.S. Open says, yeah, if you qualified, you're in. But what's going to be... So we're not going to have nearly as many moments in golf anymore where the best play against the best. And it's just, to me, it's almost hilarious if it wasn't so sad, these ridiculous excuses they're making up for why they did it. Oh, you know, it's clearly a money grab, right? Sure. But, you know, Phil's like, oh, but I've seen the good golf can do. Really? The good golf can do in a, in a, under a despot, right? Like, like, remember how Kim Jong-il shot 34 and suddenly nobody was starving in his country anymore? Give me a freaking break. How is it different than all those years that all these guys went over to Saudi Arabia for the, the 3 or $4 million appearance fee for that tournament every year? Everybody did it. Our guy Fred Couples, everybody did it. Why, why, why is this different than that, even though it's just a bigger magnitude, obviously a lot more money? It's not different, but it wasn't everybody. It was only the stars. Norman did it. Um, and they, they used to go to uh, Dubai and places like that and take the big appearance fees. But I hated it then, and I said so. And I think a lot of people were speaking out against it. But now this is an entirely full league. Yes. This is eight tournaments. Yes. Uh, and, and, they're, and they're taking, you know, well, Patrick Reed, good to see you. But, I mean, Bryson DeChambeau is a big star. Yeah. Dustin Johnson, I'm not sure if he knows what Saudi Arabia is. <laughs> one, one, one time I wrote, Dustin Johnson is so dense, light bends around him. <laughs> and I still don't think he ever got the joke. So, yeah, it's, I mean, you make a good point. And people say, well, they, you know, we use Saudi oil. I know, but this is something where you're literally going to work for these guys. It's different than filling up your tank, maybe with 10% Saudi oil, that money's coming directly from them. And there's no cuts. You can shoot a hundred for three straight days. And the bottom, at least you're going to make is 120,000. So there's guys that are 1500 on the world rankings list and they're going to go, <laughs> they can't break an egg on our tour right. and they're going to make 120 right. grand. I just think it's, yeah. It's just a cash grab, and I'm sad about it. The name of the book is So Help Me Golf. You can find it everywhere where books are sold. Did you read Alan's book? And 
to answer your question, why is Phil doing it? Why is Phil doing it? I hate to even ask the question, but is it possible he needs the money? No. I mean, if you if you followed in the endorsement list every year, Phil was among the top three guys in golf, always made 40 to $45 million. And I'm talking about for the last 15 years. Yes. Now, yes, he has a gambling addiction. He's now talking openly about it. We've known about it for years. Alan Shipnuck in this book, which is, you know, pretty dry, but a, a very good account of, of Phil's life for better or worse, says that he knows of a guy who saw the paperwork that said he lost $40 million over four years. Well, he can afford it. Yeah. It reminds me of the year uh, we asked Barkley how much he lost gambling. And he, and he said, no, I won, I won 40 million. And I'm like, yeah, that's good. And he goes, but I lost 51. <laughs> so, you know, so, so yeah, Phil, Phil's not broke, but yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Phil, Phil, he's always 23% smarter, thinks he's smarter than he, than he really is. And he's always doing stupid crap. Yeah. I remember for a while he was telling us, don't wear sunblock. That's worse for your skin than the sun, than the sun. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's really stupid. And don't say that anymore. Uh-huh. Or when you say, I'm not fat, this is subcutaneous fat. You remember that? Yeah. Like Phil, everybody's fat is subcutaneous. <laughs> what, what do you think? We keep it in our wallet? Well, hold on. Oh, the thing that really kind of is troubling to me, I think to people who read it, is he's always been known as the most generous guy on the planet. He tips like nobody's business. He gives this guy this. It's unbelievable. It's legendary. The stories of him handing out money are legend. Those stories are legendary. And now we find out at the same time he was delinquent in paying bones. Okay, well. That's, that's just, me, that, me, that does not look good. Does it? Well, let me tell you. Okay, let me tell you a couple of things. Bones loved him, and and things like those stories. I remember Bones telling us in Portland once it was raining, there was a bum on the street, and Phil made everybody made the guy stop the car, and he got his umbrella out, mm-hmm. gave the guy the umbrella and a thousand dollars. At my club at Bel Air, he'll come and play, carry his bag, and give the guy six hundred dollars. The caddy who didn't even have to carry the bag. I looked in his wallet, and there's one time there's forty eight hundred all hundreds. Just for tipping. That's as small as he works with. So, yes. Okay. B- Bones says he wasn't paid for the tour, uh, the FedEx stuff. So, the FedEx deal, some guys pay, some guys don't. So, say you win $10 million for winning the FedEx, some guys are given their caddy 10% of that. Some guys aren't. Phil said he was going to do it. Uh, he got way behind. But I think he eventually caught up. What really bothered Bones, though, Mitch, was that Phil took the the caddy flags, the 18th hole flag, the caddy always gets when you win a tournament and Phil took it. And, and so bones didn't have those on his wall and, and the Scottsdale house. He doesn't have all those championships. He won five majors and a hell of a lot of tournaments with Phil and doesn't Why? have any of them. Why? Why did Phil take the flags? Well, he had a good reason. His grandfather won. Uh-huh. So his grandfather had them all, but I'm sorry. That's a golf tradition. You know, you just don't, I don't think you should have messed, messed with that. How's the Billy Walters book going to go for Phil? I don't think it's going to be good. So Billy Walters is this guy that they say uh, cornered the market on sports gambling, which now everybody and their mother and their house, everybody gambles. Right. But back in the day, Billy was apparently the best ever at it. He also took uh, had a lot of stock tips. Quote unquote, and with this stock called Dean Food, he uh, made some outrageous amount of money. 
and apparently told Phil about it, who made $900,000. And then the SEC busted Billy on it and only made Phil pay back the money because Phil said, nobody told me it was an insider tip. Well, believe that if you want. Billy's about to come out with his book. I think he's going to castigate uh, Phil because Phil could have showed up at Billy's trial. Yep. Billy went to jail for four years and he could have helped him. And Phil didn't. And But, you know, is Phil, does Phil have the obligation to show up at a trial of a guy who's about to go to jail? Maybe, maybe not. Depends on how you feel about it. Tell me about the uh, drinking out of the claret jug with Phil. I mean, Phil's just so, <laughs> Phil's just so fun. So you see, this until this whole Saudi thing, this is why I love Phil and I didn't really care much for Tiger. Of course, of course, Tiger's a great player. He has the greatest skill set I've ever seen. But Phil is fun. Phil has joy. Phil's interesting. He lets you into his life. Tiger sets two Dobermans at the front door of his life and nobody gets in. Mm -hmm. Phil tells you every problem he's going through, the wife, the, you know, whatever it is. And so I, I went to take a lesson, short game lesson from Phil and write about it. And he even showed me the backwards chip. And the whole time we're drinking out of the claret jug and we're actually drinking claret, which is the trophy you get for winning what used to be called the British Open, now the Open Championship. Yeah. But I got so drunk, I had to sleep in my car. I don't think he knows that I wasn't going to drive like that. But he, I didn't want to give him the satisfaction that he could outdrink me. <laughs> What's the history between you and Tiger Woods? Was there a question at the first Masters or something in the press room at Augusta? I can't remember. I, I have a vague record. What's the history between the in the relationship between Rick Riley and Tiger Woods? Well, I mean, I knew him at, in college and uh, we got along great. And I used to stand on the Stanford range and I would get this, I would roll him golf balls, like a game of kickball. You know, you'd yes. roll the ball to yeah. him yeah. and he would hit driver, hit the balls as they were rolling 250 yards, like oh. a rifle. He, and I knew his dad real well. And so went around the, uh, somewhere we went and there was a, predominantly black golf course. He, he liked to go to those and do clinics. And so he'd set out a beer cooler 96 yards out from Tiger and Tiger would hit two or three balls out of 10 every time into the beer cooler. I mean, it was astounding. But then somewhere um, as he got famous, more and more famous, uh, he finally turned to me and said, stop trying to interview me. And I said, I, if I get fired, I guess I'll stop. And I I'm the go-between between you and your fans. And he said, stop being the go-between. I don't like being interviewed this much. And I don't want to talk to you privately anymore. I've, I've stopped doing one-on-ones. Do you remember what happened? Do you remember the guy, Charlie Pierce, came from GQ and he kind yes. of perished in. Yes. And he talked about Tiger telling dirty jokes, which Tiger does all the time. And how Tiger was really coarse uh, and not good with fans and didn't tip which is all true. And then once that piece came out in GQ, he stopped doing one-on-ones, which is what I was getting. And so that's, that's what happened there. Who likes you more Tiger Woods or John Feinstein? <laughs> I would say Tiger. How is John? I don't know. Do you, you, I haven't spoken to him in 20 years because of the you're, constipated remark. You're not kidding. No, I'm not, not kidding. kidding. I'm not kidding. 20 years. 25 years because of the constipated, because I replayed the constipated. All right, before you go, ladies and gentlemen, the name is So Help Me Golf. He's really a terrific guy. He's a terrific writer. Everybody knows that he's a terrific writer. So Help Me Golf, it's a great Father's Day idea. It's available everywhere where books are sold. 
Tell me that you shot 63 at age 63 at Bel Air Country Club, and it wasn't kind of the Donald Trump way of keeping score. It was a, a legitimate 63. Please tell me. Greatest day of my life, including all five marriages. Greatest thing ever happened to me. The putt looked like an open manhole in New York City streets. Everything was going right in. Now, there is one little thing you need to know. They were, they were, constru- they were in construction on 1 and 18. So one was a little shorter and 18 was a little shorter. So uh, they said the par is actually 69. So 63, six under uh, on a par 69, which I don't care. I'm telling everybody I'm Catholic and I'm going into synagogues and telling rabbis, (laughs) I don't care. I am talking about this and I don't care who knows it. How would Bernie Goldman uh, whatever the guy's name was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How would he? Was like, yeah, you could have made more. Yeah, right. Uh, breakfast ball on one, or do you only hit one drive on the first hole that day? Only one drive, which is rare. As you know, <laughs> as you know the mulligan is protected from uh, Clinton, uh, Clinton and Trump made that a rule. You know, I played, I played with both those guys, and it was kind of hard to say who cheated more. Trump took seven mulligans that day, plus a gimme chip in which I'd never heard of. Clinton played his first ball, but he'd hit six and seven extra shots from that part, from that point, which is also cheating. And so he'd like, oh, where's my first one? I want to play my first one. And of course, the secret service, they all want to be ambassador to Sweden or something. So they'd go, oh, it's right by the pin, sir. And of course, no way in a million years, but whatever. Uh, Last question before you go. I know you have a fondness for Jack and Barbara Nicholas. You may recall that I grew up with the kids went to school with the kids down in Florida. Um, Do you worry for Jack in his old age in terms of this lawsuit from Howard Milstein and the Nicholas companies? It it could, that one could get really ugly for him. No, I don't worry. Jack, Jack's pretty easygoing. He's got good lawyers. I mean, the only problem with Jack now is is he's shrinking. (laughs) He's like five foot three now. He looked at me. I came, I came and saw him for this book for a day down in Florida. He goes, are you growing? Like Jack, I got bad news. <laughs> I said, Jack, how are you hitting it? Because he's he's so small now. Yeah. He goes, now when I hit it, I can hear it land. <laughs> oh, Rick Riley, the name is so help me golf. The book is out now everywhere. Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, whatever, wherever it is that you get books. Great Father's Day gift idea. It's good to see you, my friend. Uh, enjoy all the uh, all the experiences with the book. I hope it sells like hotcakes. Thanks, Thanks, brother. Thanks Thanks so much. Thanks for being on again. Okay. Thank you, Mitch. Boy, it's been a tough few months for our 401k plans, hasn't it? Here's Katie Versio of Evergreen Golf Call. Katie, give us some good news, will you? There's not a lot of great news in the market to report, except if you're a buyer. It's a good time to be buying and to have cash. It's also a good time to go three for three. I feel it. This is going to be my day. What's the theme of your quiz today, Katie? It's a market update to see how much you're paying attention. I'm paying attention, so go ahead. Question number one. U.S. inflation in May reached the highest level in more than four decades. What was the inflation increase? Was it 7.6%, 8.3%, or 8.6%? 8.6% C, Katie. 
Oh, you are right. It was 8.6% up from 8.3% last month. So really driven by a lot of the supply chain issues, energy prices. That's why the market has been really volatile around these numbers. And Mitch Levy is one for one for the first time in his history. I'm ready for question number two. All right, number two. In June of 2021, oil was $68 a barrel. What is the cost today? Is it $100 a barrel, $120, or $140? $120 a barrel. B. That's right. Yes. That is right. That's what's really causing this inflation spike is that the cost of energy has just gone up so much over the last year. And Mitch Levy has a chance to go three for three as he predicted. I'm ready for question number three. This one could be an easy one. It's a true or false question. True or false. Both stocks and bonds are down for 2022. Absolutely true, Katie. That is true. You went three for three. Yeah, so stocks are down 18% and bonds are down 11%. It's been a really ugly year where there's not a lot of places to hide. Essentially, the only area of the market that is up on the year is energy. That's why here at Evergreen, we think that active management makes a lot of sense. It used to be really easy to make money in the market for the last five or 10 years or so, where you just buy the index and it keeps going up. But now we think, you know, there's pockets of value. We think there's certain areas that make sense. So we think active management makes a lot of sense in this environment. And that's why it's a good time to check out everything that Evergreen is doing. Start with their website, evergreengk.com. We love Katie Versio, Director of Financial Planning at Evergreen Golf Call. Everything well. Hey, it's time for a visit from Jordan Flowers, who leads the cross-country mortgage team in Kirkland. How are you, Jay Flo? Hey, Mitch. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. It's been a while. Yes, Good to be it back. Has. It's nice to have you back. With numbers skyrocketing, how can Jay Flo and his great Kirkland team help Mitch Unfiltered listeners these days? Yeah, it's a great question and one we're getting from clients also. Rates have been going up pretty sharply over the last couple of months, but we have started to see it level out. Rates actually kind of tick back down slightly. It is a great time for buyers to be buying. Even with the higher interest rates, it's actually providing a bit of an opportunity for buyers to not get into quite as many multiple offer competitive situations and wonderful time to be buying and getting that house you want and not getting in such competition and then just take care of it with a refinance with rates when they come back down. Jordan, tell me a little bit about buying rental properties and other unique programs that you guys offer at Cross Country Mortgage. Yeah, we are actually doing a lot with investment buyers right now, one to four unit properties. But we do also have a unique service coverage ratio program that allows you to not provide any income qualifying documents. We qualify off of the income the property itself produces. So we're just evaluating the collateral piece and if it's going to be a good investment for you. So Jordan, even with the numbers a little higher these days, you're still helping refinance clients pull cash out for various reasons. Yeah, yeah. Those rate term refinances that were just clogging up the system a year ago have mostly subsided here, but we are helping a lot of clients with cash out refinances, equity refinances to pay off higher interest rate debt, as well as pull that cash to buy that second home or investment property that they want to do and put that money they've earned in their house to work on more real estate and helping people build more wealth. So how do I reach you? If a Mitch Unfiltered listener has questions about what they just heard, where do we find Jordan Flowers? Yeah, same bat line, same bat channel, 425-890-2957. There you go, Jordan Flowers in Cross Country Mortgage, the Kirkland office 
He's been an incredible partner. Mitch Unfiltered would not be possible without guys like Jordan Flowers. Unfiltered. Comes to an end over the weekend. How? On a two-strike pitch that was a foot outside the strike zone to Rafael Devers of the Red Sox on Sunday, and that broke the streak. Jason Churchill, Prospect Insider. Baseball Things, the podcast with a new show out now. Jason, how are you? Welcome back to Mitch Unfiltered. Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Uh, Really strange series over the weekend against Boston. Yeah. So as of that series, the M's are six games under 500 through 60 games. They're 10 games back of Houston in the division, four and a half back of the wild card teams in the American League with a bunch of teams in between. Where do you think they are right now? Just kind of hanging in there right now. We have seen better baseball the last couple of weeks, been a good two full weeks for the club, putting together some better performances. But like I was saying that that Boston series was a little weird. You know, you get a little bit of everything, not a lot of everything on uh, in game one of that series on Friday and you lose it four three. You needed another hit or two and didn't get it. But a lot of things did go well in that game. And then, you know, the Saturday game, you didn't get exactly what you wanted out of George Kirby. Uh, Seawald gives up the home run in the eighth and you still find a way to win that. And then on Sunday, you get what you finally have been looking for from Robbie Ray and, and you just can't get the offense going. So unfortunately, that series didn't go like the other, you know, previous four. Right. But there's some still some good things going on with uh, with the Mariners right now. What was different about Ray on Sunday? I have been one of the many frustrated, really. Fr- I mean. You could make the argument, and I don't think it's preposterous, going into Sunday's game, that he was the worst Mariner starter in the rotation at this stage of the season, which is almost incredible when you consider when you consider his year a, a season ago and what they paid to get him. What on Sunday was different, and can we expect more of that, do you think, over the next several starts? Yeah, I think in terms of what he's doing, we can expect more of it because it, it it's worked. In Baltimore, in his previous start, he did go hey, two-seamer, throw the two-seamer more. And, and I'm not sure if that's because he's worried about the, the hitters squaring up the four-seamer. This might be about grip and about how he, how he can command that pitch, although the pitch does move a little bit differently and, and, and may help him uh, avoid barrels, you know, as often as w- what was happening, but command and can in general control was his biggest issue before. So we're seeing a lot of two seamers, uh, uh, you know, the league hasn't really seen it a ton from him. So they haven't really had a chance to adjust. It worked on Sunday in game three of that Boston series. Uh, but we're seeing that, you know, a lot more before it was essentially 95 to hundred percent, depending on the start four seam fastball and that slider. And we saw a lot less of the slider on Sunday as well. He's mixing in that knuckle curve that he has. And occasionally he's mixing in a changeup. I'm not sure we saw any changeups on Sunday though. So it's, it's just a different game plan going in, going to use the two seamer more, keep the barrel off the, uh, off the fastball and mix in the curveball a little bit more. And he overall, he threw more fastballs as well. So, 
maybe that's the key. I, I'm a big believer, Mitch, in, in, in starting pitchers, especially getting fastball value. You can't just go up there going slider, curveball, slider, curveball. That's just going to put a lot of pressure on commanding a pitch that's a lot more difficult to command, not just yeah. throwing strikes, but hitting your spots. And when you're a two-pitch guy and, and your four-seamer was so good a year ago, and that's a big part of your game, and you lose that a little bit, you can't just throw more sliders because I've been hearing that. Why just throw more sliders then? Look at the look at the average against on that slider. It's still pretty good. Just keep throwing that. You need something else. And, and he needs to get fastball value. So if he can do that, throwing that two-seamer, you know, and moving it a little differently and mixing in the four seamer and mixing in that knuckle curve as well. I mean, become a true four pitch pitcher. I mean, that's what he was when he came to pro ball. So we'll see if he can make that work. You talk about the four seamer. A lot of people have pointed out that his average velocity on that pitch is down this year, maybe a couple of miles an hour. Doesn't sound like a big thing, but it changes the gap between the four seamer and the slider. Do you think that's a part of the issue? The first 12 or 13 starts. It very well could be. It, it's tough to say for sure, but there have been times where he's thrown a, a, a slider in a fastball count and, you know, which is what you want to do. You, you want to be, if you can locate and you can do that, you want to do that as much as you can to a right-handed batter. And the hitter was just on it. Like, like it was a good pitch and he was on it. And so he let it go and it dove out of the zone. And then he comes back with another one. And if he's not perfect with it, now, again, it's an 88, 89 mile an hour pitch. And that slider of his is more sweeping than it is big breaking or late break. At times, it can appear like a batting practice fastball at 87, 88, 89 miles. I've seen him throw in a, a couple 85, 86 mile an hour sliders. And that just gives the hitter that much more time to evaluate in his head or to react to that pitch, so to speak. Uh, you know, and hit it or, or let it go. And when you're just a two pitch guy that does put pressure on both pitches quite a bit, he was just awfully good with those two pitches a year ago. So it's not the biggest surprise that he's having to do some different things at this point. Uh, it's a little surprising. It's taken this long for him to change it up, to be honest with you. We're, we're 12, 13 starts in, and he really hasn't been good, you know, throughout consistently good throughout a start, but a couple of times now. Yeah. The two most marquee acquisitions this off season for Jerry was Ray, so we've spoken about him, and Winker. How patient do we need to be as Mariner fans with Winker and then define patience because you've got a guy leading off right now, Jason. You don't need me to tell you. He's barely got a 300 on base percentage. Seems to me J.P. Crawford ought to be leading off for the Mariners. I don't know. I don't know why I'm the only one who seems to think that or the only one. uh, The guys that matter don't seem to think that. How much longer do we wait for Winker to to look like Winker from the Cincinnati days? Yeah, so I, I would go ahead and continue to give him at bats, but I'm with you. Uh, I, I made the same point about Crawford and Winker uh, over the weekend, and it, it, Crawford probably should be batting leadoff right now, and and Winker down in the order. Uh, it, it's, I think, and, and I don't know what the club thinks about this. I don't know what Jesse Winker thinks about. I think there's something going on with Winker's swing, and the reason I think that is because he seems to be late on gas, and he seems to be popping the ball up an awful lot. His game is to hit line drives and, and, and I I don't think his approach has changed. His game plan has changed. I just think the results are different, which tells me there's something going on with the swing where, you know, his backside is collapsing and he's hitting the ball in the air and he's popping out to short and shallow left field and, and hitting easy fly balls to left and center and whatever. And there's just not enough line drives and hard hit balls. That tells me there's a swing issue. And if you have a guy that's working on his swing a little bit, and again, I don't know that he is, but I think he should be. 
if you have a guy that's doing that or struggling with his swing, that's not a guy that should be batting no. leadoff. I understand yeah, that that's where he spent a pretty decent portion of his career batting leadoff, and they're trying to find ways to kind of get him start. going. Yeah. But toss him down in the seven seven hole, six seven hole, depending on who's pitching that day, and get your best four hitters in the top four spots in the order. And right now, Jesse Winker is not one of them. So outside of waiting for Mitch and Kyle Lewis to a lesser extent, what can the Mariners do right now besides just hope that the guys that are in the lineup every day start hitting more? I think we're getting a little closer to where Jerry Depoto and Justin Hollander in that front office probably have to strongly consider pulling the trigger on a deal because the, the thing with Lewis and the thing with Hanniger is, as you know, like, yeah, you're going to get him back, but for how long uh, they've been hurt plenty over the last couple of years where you can't just go, well, we're going to get those, those guys back. and We're going to be totally fine. If you could guarantee me that they're going to be back by July one or whatever, and be good for the rest of the year, then I would be like, all right, fine. Maybe you don't really need to make you know, a trade, but I, I think at this point, your opportunity to go make a trade is starting to open up now. Um, and, and I say now, because it's really difficult to do that in May and early June, because the price is so high teams aren't really willing to sell and it like admit publicly that they're giving up on the season because that affects their, you know, their image with their fans and that could affect their bottom line. And they just don't want to do that. And some teams are legitimately still in it. That might actually be sellers in July, you know, especially coming down to the deadline late in the month, but you're getting close to that point where, you know, maybe there's a move out there that's similar to the trade Jerry made with the Tampa Bay Rays in 2018 when they brought in Alex Colomay and Denard Span. And whether that's an outfielder, and I've talked about a little bit about there's probably room for them to go get a guy who can play second base and then use Adam Frazier a little bit more in the outfield and as, as a utility type a, a little more. He hasn't been hitting the ball all that well. There's room there to replace Frazier as the everyday starter and get significantly better offensively. Joey Wendell is a name that I brought up. He's in Miami. He's actually on the IL right now, but a pretty good hitter, has a little bit of pop, can play second, can play third, can play short in a pinch. Really interesting player, just as an example to throw out there. And then you use Adam Frazier, kind of like the club has been using uh, Abraham Toro and and Dylan Moore. And then you probably have to punch one of those two guys yeah. off the club until September. But your team gets better that way and, and potentially significantly better because there are times, Mitch, you watch these games just like I do. They're just right there. They're one single away from like blowing this game open from like a 3-1 game to a 6-1 game or, or, you know, a 7-3 game instead of 4-3. And they just don't get that hit. So one more hitter in the lineup that's, you know, better than what you're throwing out there, especially the bottom of that order, uh, it could, could play huge for this club moving forward, whether they get Kyle Lewis and, and Mitch Hanniger back or not. While you're talking trading deadline stuff so early, if they stay, the Mariners stay around where they are right now into the middle of July. And I'm talking about middle of July, July 20, mm -hmm. they're four or six games under 500 and there's a bunch of teams still ahead of them in the wild card, but maybe they're within five or six or seven games of the wild card. Are they buyers or sellers in that situation? I think they could be both. I definitely think they will be buyers to some extent, almost regardless of the situation, because Jerry DePoto is always going to be thinking about next year and their next opportunity to win. And I think that's one of the reasons why at, to this point, he hasn't gone out and, and traded for a player that he can only control through this season. Um, you know, some of those guys out there that you might be able to go get right now that are pr pretty much readily available will be free agents at the end of the year. Well, he's not hundred percent sure this team, uh, you know, is kind of supports that is this team good enough where a rental makes any sense at all. We don't really know that yet. 
And you, but you get to July, you're going to have a better idea about that. So you get to that point and you go out, you can make a deal for a guy who's going to help you this year, even if your chances don't look great this year, but he's also going to be around next year, whether that's a Luis Castillo or a Frankie Montas, at the, you know, a starting pitcher, or it's a position player that's under control. Again, Joey Wendell, I'll bring him up again, under control again for 2023. That makes your team better over the long haul, because in a, and, and again, talking about Wendell or a second baseman, Adam Frazier's only under contract through this year. The Mariners do not have a guy that's obvious, an obvious option at second base beyond 2022. So there's a lot of sense to a deal like that at this particular point, but I think they could do both Mitch. I think we could see the Mariners do some things if they're in a tough spot, four or five teams ahead of them, like you said, you know, five, six games back. And I think one thing is key. And I was just making this, uh, I, I made this point on, on the latest uh, episode of baseball things as well. I think one of the things that's key is not just the games back or how many teams that's in front of them. How many games are they behind the teams that are in front of them? Other than the, the like right now it's Boston and you're four and a half back entering Monday's game. Okay. That's one thing, but are you also four and a half back of the other three teams behind Boston mm-hmm. where you'd have to make up five games five, over four, four teams, teams. Yeah. or is it just one team? Yeah. Is it one or two games and that's right. more plausible right. and you have one team that you have to make up five right. games on over the last 60 or 80 games of the season. I think that matters in this scenario, but I think they could buy and sell in July if they're in a tough spot like we, that. We spoke about Jared Koenig the last time you and I got together. Every once in a while, you hop on social media and you see this video of him in Tacoma hitting a 460-foot home run, <laughs> and then you explore it and you see, oh, that night he went one for four with a home run and three strikeouts. Mm. The three strikeouts, to me, are more alarming than the home run is exciting. Are we still of the opinion no, 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 no on Kelnick this year for the remainder of this year, unless they're out of it and they just want to see what they have. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the scenario. And I think it's September is legit because the minor league season ends, you know, a little earlier than the big league season. So we could see Kelnick up in September. And again, I don't have any inside information on this. I don't see the point right now in bringing Kelnick up anytime soon, like anytime soon. There hasn't been like, I've watched every single at bat twice. That's my thing. I watch every at bat by every Mariners player in the big leagues twice. And then key guys in the minors. I watch every at bat in every game twice. There's nothing significantly different that he's doing right now. Mechanically, that would suggest to me he's going to be able to cover the zone, get to good velocity and spray the ball around. He's literally hitting better because the pitching is worse. That's all that's happening right now with Jared Kelnick down in the minors. Now, I'm not saying he's not trying to do different things. I'm saying nothing different is happening to kind of unlock his plate coverage and some of the things that he needs to do to make him better and to make him good enough and ready to face big league pitching and do some of this. At, uh, at the big league level, I'll be convinced not when the strikeouts go away, because I look at those strikeouts a little differently, Mitch, like, yeah, you don't want him to strike out, but if he is indeed trying a few different things to that may help him cover the plate better, that may help him get to pitches on the outer half of the zone better, that may help him get to good velocity more consistently. If he's trying different things and different tweaks every couple of games, you know, sometimes in those situations, and it's a good thing he's doing this in the minors and that's what it's for. Sometimes strikeouts are going to come or bad results are going to come. And that tells you, all right, this isn't working. Let's try something else. So I'm not so much worried about the strikeouts now, but if we get to August and we're still seeing what you're talking about, because absolutely 100% true one for four home run, three strikeouts, you know, two for five, double home run, three strikeouts. There were a couple of games where he struck out four times. Yeah. Um, you know, he's had a couple of better games lately. He's got the hammy thing right now, but, uh, you you just want to see him 
consistently hit. I really don't care about the power, to be honest with you. The power is just going to come. He needs to hit, hit for high average, lots of contact, spray the ball around, lots of line drives for an extended period of time for me to buy into anything. You want to see the results. Two last things before you go. Uh, You talk about Mariners prospects. You know them better than anybody. Who should we be tracking now, Mariners fans, when you consider that a handful of them have now reached the big leagues? Are we looking for Emerson Hancock? Are we... Who, who are we following down on the farm for the Mariners if we're doing this night tonight? Yeah, I think the funnest guy right now is somebody who's not really that close to the big leagues, and that's Edwin Arroyo, the shortstop who's down in Modesto. He was their second rounder last year, and like I did not see this coming. He's starting to hit for some pop. He's starting. To, I'm not making the comp here, Mitch. I promise you this is not a comp, but he's starting to remind some folks of Francisco Lindor switch hitter has a little pop from both sides of the plate can certainly handle the shortstop position has a lot of fun playing the game. There's a little bit of Julio in Edwin Arroyo in terms of like his personality on the field. And while it's a little bit of a small sample, still, it's just been a couple of months, you know, hitting over 300, the contacts there and the pop from both sides of the plate has been really fun to watch. I think he's somebody that every Mariners fan should know right now As, as far as close to the big leagues, Emerson Hancock's just kind of getting his feet wet again after missing a lot of time. But Levi Stout uh, and Taylor Dollard, both right-handers down at Double uh, A Arkansas, are putting up good numbers. And in some role, maybe not as a starter, but in some role, we could see one or both of those guys up by the end of the season. All-Star Game, Los Angeles, July. We love the the Midsummer Classic. Ty France, I'm assuming you're going to tell me, has a great chance to be the the Mariners' representative. Who else has a shot based on? The other, I used to follow this. I don't follow it as closely anymore based on the other guys at their positions in the American League. JP have a shot. Logan Gilbert have a shot. I'm assuming you're going to tell me Julio's not going to make it as an outfielder in the American League this first year. Give me some names. I think JP Crawford has a shot. I think France should be a shoe in. He's been the best first baseman in the American League to this point. And we know the All Star game doesn't necessarily work that way. The voting and all kinds of weird stuff to how they put that team together. France absolutely deserves to play. And if the Mariners only get one, I would be floored if he's not the guy Crawford deserves to go as well. Right now he's probably the second best shortstop in the American league. I think if you compare some numbers, if you're a wins above replacement type guy, he's third behind Bogarts and Jeremy Pena in Houston, but you can fit three shortstops, three guys from one position like that on an all-star team. And I think JP Crawford deserves to go too. I don't think Logan Gilbert gets it. I think there's just been a lot of really good pitching performances this year. If France or Crawford weren't kind of automatics, uh, other than uh, Gilbert, I think Gilbert might be the one representative Seattle would get because every team has to have one. I do think he's a top 10 or 12 starter in the American League. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, that's not but good I, I, I think we're going to see a lot of relievers get in the game as well. And and unfortunately, Seattle doesn't have anybody like that out of the bullpen that's been uh, that good uh, year, you know, for the entire year. Although, boy, Diego Castillo's been looking amazing the last couple of weeks, hasn't he? Okay, there he is, Jason Churchill, who's been terrific on our show, and he continues to make appearances. Follow him on Twitter. It's Prospect Insider. And also, check out his podcast, Baseball Things. There's a brand-new episode that's out and available right now. If you didn't get enough of Jason in the last 15 or 18 or 20 minutes, you can get a lot more. Baseball Things, the podcast. Keep coming back, Jason. We love you. I'm Mitch Unfiltered. Anytime. Thanks, Mitch. Appreciate it. Time for a visit with Dan Black, the president of Zeke's Pizza. It's springtime. 
at Zeke's. How you doing over there, Dan? Yeah. Hey, Mitch. Yeah. Springtime's fun because our patios are opening up. And so it's always fun to drink beer and eat pizza on a nice patio on a nice day. And so there's more of that going on all the time. And it's fun. Would you say that most of your locations have outdoor seating? Not most of our locations, but certainly most of our full service restaurants, which we call pizza pubs. So, you know, if you're going to a Zeke's that's got a full bar, spirits, craft beer, all that stuff, there's likely to be outdoor seating. And you guys continue to grow like a weed. We've talked about Spokane a little bit. We haven't spoken of Mill Creek, White Center coming soon, and, and a couple of more. Tell us about those. Yeah, Spokane opened. We talked about that a little bit. Mill Creek opened and is doing well. White Center's coming up really soon. And then beyond that, we've actually got three more that are reasonably close. We've got Seward Park, Renton, and Duval in that order. And, you know, more deals coming all the time. And you're hearing from Mitch Unfiltered listeners I'm hearing through the grapevine? Yeah, that was pretty exciting. We, we've we actually got a couple of leads, no deals closed yet, but specifically that came from Mitch Unfiltered oh, and wow. heard about us there, which is obviously a huge stoker, but I'm a little bit worried that my invoices <laughs> are going to go up now. They are going to go up. They are going to go up. All right. I think think that I've decided when I don't go with original cheese, like my mom's favorite, Cherry Bomb is my fave on the Zeke's Pizza menu. Where is it in the the pecking order? Well, first, we still got to get your mom up here sometime and cut it into squares for her like she's used to it. Is it Camilli's? You got it. Camilli's, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, In Florida. But you're not alone on the Cherry Bomb. It's definitely one of my favorites, and it's – Outside of cheese and pepperoni, probably the most popular one. And it's certainly the one people talk about the most. So, yeah, Cherry Bomb is cannot go wrong with that one. What are you drinking these days from Zeke's? Yeah, this time of year, I kind of transition. You know, we order a lot for delivery and I I use Zeke's for my grocery store for beer. We have better beer than you can get at the grocery store. So when I order, I just I order enough for the next couple of weeks and stuff that I can throw in the cooler and stuff like that. I'm really excited for you guys. You've been a great partner back in the radio days and now with Unfilled. Filtered Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Don't screw around with me, Maverick. You're a hell of an instinctive pilot. Maybe too good. I'd like to bust your butt, but I can't. I got another problem here. I gotta send somebody from this squadron to Miramar. I gotta do something here. I, I, I still can't believe it. I gotta give you your dream shot. I'm gonna send you up against the best. You two characters are going to Top Gun. Episode 194, and our next guest spent 20 years as a fighter jet pilot in the United States Navy. What was his inspiration, you ask? Doug Leto is here to tell us the entire story. Doug, thanks for your service, and welcome to Mitch Unfiltered. Yes, Mitch, great to be here. Thanks for having me. You're going to be amazed and disappointed in me when I share with you my news. But first of all, tell everyone what happened in 1986 that shaped your future, that shaped Doug Leto's future, please. Yes. Uh, In 1986, I went to the movies and I saw Top Gun. And I saw those guys on screen flying the jets, playing volleyball having fun. And I was like, I want to be like those guys when I grow up. And and that's what I set out to do. And that's what I did. Did you play volleyball? Did you do all I those? did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yes, I did. Yes, sir. You know, most young people who walk out of a movie inspired 
are over it in about two days or a week. Not you. Are you sure this had nothing to do with Kelly McGillis, Doug? Well, you know, she had a little bit to do with it. I'm not going to lie. I think that all of Maverick's success, both in the air and on the ground, were something that would inspire any 16-year-old. You ready for my news? Are you sitting down? You are, because I'm looking at you. Yes, sir. I graduated from high school in 1985, which makes me, what, a couple of years older than you? Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. I still mm-hmm. have never seen Top Gun. Whoa. I'm the, I think I'm the only one from that era. I, I, I really think I'm the only one left. And now it's become kind of a matter of principle. I like being the only one from 1986 who never saw. So I have virtually no idea the storyline outside of the fact that it involves the plight of a fighter jet pilot. It's mm-hmm. hor- is that horrible? I mean, do you think less of me? Well, how long is this podcast? Because I'll just tell you the story right now. <laughs> if, if you're ready, I've got it memorized. I got every quote memorized. It won't be a problem. Uh, how different yeah. was his story than your 20 years in the Navy? Okay. Well, that's a great question. The truth is that all pilots, once they are in the Navy, yeah. We all rip apart Top Gun. It's so fake. Everybody talks about how fake it is. This isn't right. This isn't right. But I got good news for everybody. Top Gun Maverick is not fake at all. It is the real deal. When when I go and watch it, I'm like, everything is plausible. It could actually happen like it is in the story. And it, it's amazing. They really, really nailed it in this new movie. Doug, you're better than you even know because I have on my list to ask you the following question. You have beaten Mm -hmm. me to the punch. Yes. I have on my notes to say, Doug, as someone who's been close to sports for 35 Mm -hmm. years, Mm -hmm. I talk about how I have little desire to see sports movies because they're often so unrealistic that I can't find enjoyment with rare exceptions in sports movies. And I was going to ask you if you have found a similar frustration with this genre of films, or do you race out to see flicks about all these fighter jet pilots? Yes. Well, Top Gun Maverick or Top Gun, the original was always in my top 10 favorite movies. Yes. I I loved it. Okay. Um, And it is great entertainment and great storytelling. Um, And Top Gun Maverick has catapulted to number one on my list. That's because you're in it, Doug. We haven't got <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet to that part of your story. But you're in right. Top Gun Maverick, so you're not allowed. You're not. It's you got to throw it off the list. It's not allowed to be. There's a conflict yeah. of interest in that. No, movie. I'm in. I'm in lots of movies. I'm oh. in lots of movies. Okay. And I'm. I have bigger roles, more speaking roles, more prominent. So uh, to say Top Gun Maverick is my favorite is just solely based on the movie. Okay. Now, you just yes. said that the original Top Gun was on mm-hmm. your top 10, but it wasn't Yes. It wasn't number one. What was number one, and why didn't you become uh, whatever the main character of number one was? Yeah. Um, just, my, as lo- just as long as it wasn't Boogie Nights. I, I don't want to. Oh. <laughs> all right. All right. My previous number one was The Usual Suspects with Kaiser Soze. Yes. If you know that story, that's a great, great movie. So it's still, you know, right there at number two. And I I think that the action of Top Gun and the visual of Top Gun is what gives it the edge. Okay. So you, Mm -hmm. so Doug Lido sees Top Gun as a 16 year old in 1986, I believe. Yes, sir. That's right. 
You become inspired. You walk out of the theater. You say, I want to be that guy. You end up at Duke. That's right. Then Pensacola, Florida. That's right. And then San Diego for 20 years. How was your time at the Naval Air Station, North Island? Well, I absolutely love Coronado. It's a paradise on earth. And uh, when I make it big as an actor now, I do plan to move back to San Diego. But I got to be up here, you know, doing all the auditions right now while I'm a no-name actor. So that's that's the deal with that. So, so and, tell us, 35 years later, you hear yeah. that another one is coming out finally, or 36 years later, they're preparing, yes. they're preparing a film to film another one. Walk us through how you end up, you and your buddies end up in that movie. You bet. That's a great question. You would think that a former Navy pilot who is now an actor would be able, hey, can I be in the movie? Man, <laughs> it was like hitting my head against a wall. I got nowhere. I'd send emails. I'd call people. Uh, and the way it went down for me is I was playing basketball at the North Island gym. And after the game, I was talking to another player. And uh, it turns out that uh, Commander Ron Flanders was the base public affairs officer. I told him what I was doing and I was acting. And he said, oh, that's interesting. I just took the Top Gun producers out on the aircraft carrier uh, last week. And I said, oh, hey, is there any way you could help me get in? And he uh, took my number. And a whole year later, he called me out of the blue and told me where to be to audition. Mm. So, so I owe Rod Flanders for that. Wow. Yeah. So Doug, mm -hmm. you end up in a scene in a bar. I, I obviously I mm -hmm. haven't seen the new one yet. I, I, I'll ask. Oh, you haven't. Well, I haven't wow. seen the first one. I got to see the first one before I can see the new one. Okay, um, good. You end up in a bar with, uh, or you're in a bar with a bunch of uh, a bunch of people, many of which you knew from your old days in the Navy, and you guys are even wearing your own jumpsuits. Did I see that? You're not in. Yeah. You're not in movie wardrobe, are you? That's right. We all showed up at the hangar where I used to train, I used to fly out of the same hangar. They modified it. They had uh, costuming hair, makeup, and all of our food. They call it crafty. We had amazing food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They had, you know, fancy mochas and lattes there. Um, and you know, that's where we would hang out, uh, when we weren't on set. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it was, it was amazing. They gave us a, a haircut. I had to shave my beard and, uh, get the high and tight. And, uh, I, I did wear my original flight suit and it was exactly like you said, it was like wow. a reunion for all the wow. pilots. And, uh, so we were all in the bar and, and we were, you know, joking around, you know, cause in a bar, that's what you do. And when you're a background actor, you have to be silent, but we could read each other's lips and we'd tell stories and everything. And we would all often joke that, you know, the Chinese uh, linguists were going to like get all of our <laughs> secrets by uh, reading our lips in the background, you know? <laughs> so we'll, we'll see uh, uh, how it, that all turns out. So you partied with your buddies in the movie, mm -hmm. in that scene, then you were involved yeah. in the red carpet premiere I, right. I saw an interview with you where you became very emotional about, mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. the setting of the premiere. Explain to our yes. audience why that was such a special day for you and all. So the red carpet premiere for uh, Top Gun Maverick was held aboard the USS Midway, which is a decommissioned aircraft carrier that's currently permanently 
uh, ported in San Diego, uh, right there in San Diego Bay. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have my military retirement ceremony on the flight deck right up there at the same exact venue. Mm. And all my family was there and the squadron was there. If they say, if you have a military band playing at your retirement, you did it right. And uh, I was very fortunate to get that experience with my friends and family and then to come back again and share it again with the cast and crew of Top Gun Maverick is and, incredible. And you spent some time with Tom Cruise. That is correct. Yes, he uh, talked to me. Now, there was a big, big crowd. Tom Cruise uh, helicoptered, piloted, piloted his own helicopter, landed it on the front end of the ship, got out. There was probably a thousand people, tons of international media. It was uh, uh, televised live on MTV. He came a little late to make his, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, to make it cool, you know, to really get the most bang for the buck. But it, about uh, 10 minutes into it, you know, after his big speech, televised speech, uh, was talking to people. And the next thing I know, he's talking to me and he was talking to me for quite a long time. I was actually starting to feel a little guilty of all the time that I was taking up of his being as there was like a thousand people watching us talk. I was like, Oh my gosh, I was feeling the heat. Like, Oh my gosh, everybody's watching us because he knew I was a, a Navy pilot. I think that's why he really wanted to um, talk to me and, and get my feedback and everything. And did Doug tell him I'm a now a retired Navy pilot who's struggling to make a come on. I hope you took advantage of those minutes with Tom Cruise for goodness sakes. You know, I didn't talk about acting. I oh. totally, I totally fumbled right there, oh. you know, but luckily I'm sure he's going to be watching this podcast. Oh, and, I see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it'll all work out in the oh, end. God. In mm -hmm. sports, Doug, we sometimes yeah. worry about our heroes and their lives after the playing days end. Because typically they're very young and they've got a whole life to live and they may not be prepared for that. It's difficult for a lot of professional mm. athletes when they're retiring at like 28, 29, 30 years old. How's it for people in your world and how is it for you and your family and your buddies who are in that scene together mm. at Top Gun? Yes. So I can say, you know, as a former pilot, all of my peers they're now airline pilots oh. and they're all making 250,000 a year. <laughs> they're all doing really, really well. Yeah. But, uh, I, I also think they would all trade places with me if they could. I think I'm having a lot more fun than they are. <laughs> you know, acting, acting has been really, really fun. They, they see, uh, my posts on social media, all your listeners can follow me on Instagram at Doug, D-O-U-G underscore Lito, L-I-T-O. And you can see all the movies and sets I'm on, the travels I get to do, the people I get to work with. It, I'm a very, very lucky guy to have a second career that is just as exciting to me as my first. And so it all started with Top Gun in 1986. That's and right. And now we've come full circle. You've retired. Mm -hmm. And that kind of chapter of your life ends with, with Top Gun Maverick. That's amazing. I, I would say that this new chapter actually started, started. with Top Gun Maverick. Okay. Okay. It was one of my uh, first scenes, and we actually filmed it all four years ago. So a lot has changed since then. You know, I was doing a lot of smaller projects and and background work, 
And now I'm being lead in features. Oh. I'm on a, a Disney Latin America uh, feature film called The Wing Walker, going to be out in theaters. Another movie called Discovering Heaven, uh, which is about life after death. That was uh, really exciting to film. I actually went to hell and the, to heaven and then back to earth. How was that true? It, it was it, it was pretty scary to go to hell and get uh, torn <laughs> apart by by satanic rats. <laughs> but, <laughs> blood was sp- splattering, and uh, luckily uh, I screamed so good that I was a one take wonder for that one. Yes. Beautiful. Well, it's great to catch up with you. And again, as I said at the top, thank you so much for your twenty years of service in the U.S. Navy. It's all been so very exciting for you the last five, 10 years. And I hope that the next five or 10 are as, as fun as they seem to be setting up to be anyway. Thank you so much for your time and your patience. And it's great to visit with you on the show. Yes. Thank you, Mitch. Anytime. It's time to check back in with John Waterstrat of Fireside Home Solutions. He's back with us. Fireplaces, garage doors, you name it. How goes it over there, John? It's doing great. Uh, we've had to get through this mucky weather, like you know, Mitch, but it uh, <laughs> looks like the sun's popping back out. Things are starting to shine a little bit more. Like everywhere else, you and I have been talking about the wait times for non-stock orders because of the shipping issue that everybody has. Are you seeing any improvement on that end? We definitely have seen some improvement. I can't say it's going to be quick. Mm-hmm. But uh, it has improved, and uh, our manufacturers have done a wonderful job of just looking at their processes, looking at what we're going through right now, these shortages, and, and doing a good job to get lead times down. And what do you think they are? Uh, sometimes it depends. Like I said, we always have the stock list, and we can mm-hmm. talk about that. But uh, we also have some things that are on longer lead times. But instead of waiting 30 weeks, we've kind of shrunk that down maybe to 18 to 20 weeks. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's not short, but it's gotten better. But there's always that option of purchasing and installing a unit that's in your inventory, which is what we did here at the Levy household. So let's walk through that for a second. The Fireside Home Solutions team comes to your home free of charge. They look at your space, analyze and listen to your needs. Then we visit one of your many showrooms in the Pacific Northwest. Yep. Just talk to your sales rep. We'll come out to your house. We'll look at what you want and then just let your sales rep know. Is it speed that you need? If you need that, we'll get the stock list together. We'll find something that works and we can get that installed in about three weeks. If you have some time, let us know and we can get exactly what you want. And we just have to be patient, just like in any any order that we're talking about with these longer lead times. Perfect. A few years ago, you guys wandered into the garage door market too. How's that been going? Because I'm hearing about some exciting things coming down the line. Yeah, it's been great. We've continued to grow that business. And uh, here in the fall, we're going to go ahead and open a showroom in Tacoma. It's going to help the South Sound areas. And it's going to be really nice to be able to have Bellevue, Auburn, and Tacoma and just be able to help those customers in Pacific Northwest. That's awesome. Now, before you go, you have to tell our audience where you were for the first time in the middle of April and what you thought. Oh, uh, I got to have that bucket list checked off and I was able to get to go Augusta. Pretty awesome. Awesome to watch Scotty Seffler uh, hit some great shots, but the course is just a special place. Well, I'll say it then. We love Fireside Home Solutions, a tradition unlike any other and a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Okay, other stuff segment, Hot Shot Scott. After talking about Saudi Arabia and their human rights, let's. Yes. How, how about a feel got good a couple story? Of good ones. I got a couple of good ones too. Like feel good? Is that what you're saying? Well, kind of, sorta. Okay, Misha 
Rohazen, a teenager with Down syndrome who was yes. forced to escape his native city of Maripol in recent months because of the Russian attack. He was confused and distressed about leaving home, understandably. Right. And he didn't really know what was going on, so his mom told him kind of a fib to help. She convinced her son that they had to leave so they could go have a face-to-face with John Cena, the wrestler. Oh, I who, saw this. Who was Misha's hero. Yes. So he's got a ton saw of- Saw this. He saw this. So yeah. it was John Cena got wind of this. And he made the kid's dream come true Good and they met up and mom doesn't look like a liar now. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was right the whole time. So that was, that was, that was really cool. There are some good stories going on out there. Well, maybe the next uh, professional athlete that will take money from the Saudis yeah. will be John Elway. Okay. John Elway, it's been determined, may have made, I don't know that anybody keeps track of these things, Yeah. may have made the worst financial decision in the history of financial decisions by professional athletes. Okay, that's Allow me to explain, and then you tell me whether this potentially is the most costly <laughs> misstep, All right. financial misstep in history. I can joke at John's expense. Right. In 1998, in his final NFL season, the owner of the team, Pat Bolin, you know that name, yeah. came to John with an offer. Oh, no. At the time, John Elway was owed... $21 million in deferred salary from the Denver Broncos. Okay. Kind of like the Bobby Bonilla deal. You know right. that story? Oh, sure. Yeah. Bobby Bonilla Day. Big day every year. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite holiday. So Pat Bolin, the owner of the Broncos, came to him, and they said to, the, to him and his representation, they said, number one, you've meant so much to us since you've been here. We're prepared to sell you 10% of the team right now, if you'd like, for $15 million. Okay. 10% of the Denver Broncos for $15 million. In addition to that, number two, you can have another 10% if you agree to relinquish the $21 million that we owe you. Or we'll just give you a check for $21 million. Yeah. Stop right here and do a, okay. do a check. Yeah. Let's see how, how well you've been paying attention. Yeah. How much of the team could he have owned if he had accepted numbers one and two? Could have been a 20% owner of the team. Right. Which sounds like a lot. I mean, that's crazy that they offered right. 20, that up. 20% in 1998. Did they have money problems or something? That seems no, like a lot no, to offer. No, they, okay. And how much for that 20? What was it going to cost him for 20%? He'd have to give okay. up 15 million first, right? Didn't you say 15? He'd have to write a check for 15 million yeah. and give up the 21 million that he was owed. So essentially, 36, 36 million. million for 20% of the team. Okay. And only 15 million out of his pocket. The 21 million... He hadn't been given yet, right. so he'd only have to come out of his bank account for $15 million. $36 million for 20%. Oh, no. Had he accepted that, <laughs> Yeah. this past week it was announced that the Denver Broncos and the Bolin family entered into a sales agreement. Yep. I think with the Walmart guy. The, yeah, the one of them. them. There's a bunch of them, yeah. $4.65 billion okay. is what the Walmart guy and his team are paying for the Denver Broncos. Times 0. .20. That would be $930 million. Oh, but he turned them both down. He said, I want my $21 million and I'm going to pass on buying 10% additional to that. You want the kicker? The kicker to the groin story. <laughs> yes. Ask me if Elway, is it possible that Elway didn't have $15 million in his bank account in 1998? That is a big check to write in 1998. Big check in 1998. Yeah. I asked me if he had the money in his bank account to write for the extra 10%. Did he have the money in his account? Yes, because he invested it in what turned out to be a Ponzi scheme. Oh, no. He invested $15 million 
netted him seven million. Oh, that's not a good return. I no. don't think. Yeah, seven million total. Oh, uh, yeah. The fifteen million. 15, he lost yeah. eight. That doesn't. Sound he lost good. eight in a Ponzi scheme. Oh my god. So the fifteen million could have led to four hundred and sixty-five million. Instead, he lost eight million on that fifteen million. Well, the worst financial decision <laughs> in the history of athletes. If it makes him feel any better, which it won't, the music version of that is Vincent Price. You familiar with Vincent Price, yeah. the old actor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the... Uh, He's like, got the voice like uh, this. Yeah, He's so always like, horror movie. Yeah, horror, yeah. So Quincy Jones came to him and wanted him to voice that part in Thriller at the, you know, during the song. Yeah. Darkness falls across yeah, the yeah, land. It's yeah. actually really cool. Who is it? It's Vincent Price. Oh, oh yeah, okay. So, so he accepted. Okay, yeah. They, yeah, he accepted it, and he yeah. was all excited to be on this. And they said, we could give you... I think it, uh, yeah. I think it was 25 give grand. piece of the action or just pay you. He took the cash. He took the cash. Bum, 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 bum. Yep, took the cash. They were going to give him points on this album. He's like, man, I'm old. I need the money. On the number <laughs> one selling album of all time, he oh. could have got in on. So, yeah. Oh, God. Remember Pat Haller, our old pal, Pat Haller? Sure. sure. He told From me Oregon a, Ducks? He told me a story. Now, this might not be true, but that when Nike was going to go public, there yeah. was like 12 people on the board that Phil Knight I believe offered. It. I believe it. That yeah. he offered. He said, you can take the condo in Maui for two weeks or you can take some stock. Oh. And like four people took the condo. You could have got it on the ground floor of Nike. They, I hope you liked your vacation. So the reverse of all these stories <laughs> yeah. is Forrest Gump. Yes. He got a piece of that, that fruit company, that Apple. That fruit company, Remember? Apple. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. So at least he, he did all right. Yes, he did. All right. My, am I up here? Britney, yeah. Britney Spears' ex-husband, Jason it. Alexander? I got it, yeah. From Seinfeld fame? Yeah. yeah. No, or not. no, no, different Jason <laughs> Are you Alexander. sure? She didn't go for Jason? No. Okay, it was a different one? Okay. Emergency protective order for trying to crash the wedding? Good Lord. He made continuous attempts to connect with her in person and showed yeah. up armed with a knife to her wedding, according to cops. Yes. He went live. He was doing the whole thing on, on social media. Instagram. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. could just watch the whole thing. He was yeah. arrested for trespassing, vandalism, yep. and battery. Yeah. This drama just has been following Britney Spears for like 25 years. It just never ends, this poor guy. Do you remember Dallas Cowboy defensive back Terrence Newman? Sounds familiar. He went on a show recently and talked of a an encounter he had now with the um, recently deceased yes. Marion Barber. Mm -hmm. He came across him on the street at a gas station. He quote, He's quoted as saying, I see this guy walking down the street in the rain. I get to the gas station and it's Marion. I hadn't seen Marion in a while, former teammate. But I heard he had fallen on hard times and wasn't doing too well. So we talked and exchanged numbers, but I was scared when I saw him. He looked so bad. He looked like he wasn't even there. He looked like a completely different person. Wow. Like he couldn't function. And that's probably why he was walking and not driving. When I tell you I was scared, I thought he was going to swing at me for no apparent reason. I was super scared. He's explaining a guy that, again, another one. Yeah that played a very physical style of sure running did. back in NFL, a lot of concussions in college and in pro, and just paints just a terrible, terrible story. And, you know, while we love the NFL every Sunday, shouldn't we be asking ourselves, what are these guys going to go through in a couple of years? Yep. I and mean, it's it's one after the next. And if, if we're all going to keep watching, which we will. Well, you will. Then can we lean on the NFL to maybe take care of these guys when they're done? Can can the NFL who prints money? Yes. Can they just give them a magic benefits card, and this thing works at any off doctor's office of any kind, therapist counts. Just which, which I think is a great idea, but is that going to solve the problem that we're talking about? 
There's, money is not the problem for a lot of these guys. Yeah. Depression, suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Nowhere to turn. I mean, I don't I don't know that it's a cash issue. I mean, for a lot of people to cash. Just someone issue. keeping an eye yeah, on well, them. It's hard. Like a, a, some sort of, you know, task this force that keeps an eye. I know it's, it's terrible. awful. It's these terrible. guys give literally give their lives for this game that we all love. They, every day they risk their lives on Sundays and the, Well, the sad part is that at least now people kind of know, players kind of know, here's what I'm signing up for. Yeah. I'm not sure Marion Barber and Junior Seau and all these guys. Mike Webster. I, I don't think they knew. Yeah. And if it was offered to them, hey, here's what you're doing, maybe some of them wouldn't have played. Yeah. They weren't given the option. That's that's another kind of sad layer to this. Right. Anyway. It's because it's so new. Yeah. All right. LeBron James is going to have to make some room in the three comma club. We talked yeah. about him. Yeah. Because Tiger your Woods buddy too. Tiger Woods. Yeah officially has a billion-dollar net worth just one week after we talked about LeBron. Isn't yeah. it kind of weird that he, he's a billionaire? I mean, he's not playing anymore. Like, is he? how does he continue to make his money? I mean, he's not well, killing it on the, I guess, clothing? Endorsements. I mean, endorsements. Sure, sure. But does he still have the endorsements? Well, he never made on, on, even when he was playing, even when he was winning major after major, his money that he was earning on the golf course paled always. Yeah. In comparison to what he's making off the course. But he's not doing it anymore. That's what I'm saying. Like, Nike still has him and Gatorade and all these. I'm just wondering. Scott, for, for, for like 25 years after like 1980 or 85. Okay. You know the highest grossing endorser was? Every single year for years and years. And I may have my years wrong if people are yelling at their podcast. Okay. For years and years and years, these lists would come out. Who makes the most money in endorsements? And every year it was a guy who never did anything anymore. He was retired. He was long past his prime. You know who that was? Arnold Palmer. Oh, I'm talking right. about in the 80s. Oh, in the 80s. Okay. Arnold yeah. Palmer. 10, 20, 40, 50, $100 million oh. a year. Arnold Palmer iced tea. You know, Arnold Palmer. All these different, the, the oils and the, you know, the, uh, whatever, the trope. <laughs> the he oils. And he hadn't played a golf round in yeah. like 20 years. Yeah. All right. My, my turn? It is your turn. The Space Needle has sued a local coffee chain. Have you heard this? The Space Needle can sue people? Yeah. Okay. For using its trademarked logo in the coffee shop branding and merchandise. That probably happens a lot with them. Doesn't, actually. Like, oh, really? You'd be surprised. The logo for local coffee spot which has four locations in the Seattle area, features a mug of hot coffee <laughs> whose rising steam bears a striking resemblance striking resemblance yeah. to the iconic tower's own logo used on their brand and merchandise. The Space Needle's owner is a private company, we know that, says the coffee shop's logo copies a trademark design and filed a lawsuit in the U.S. District Court. Bo McKeon, the co-owner of local coffee spot, says he can't believe that his venture that he started as a way, as he says, to employ people during the pandemic yeah. has drawn a lawsuit. Quote, we feel very, very victimized as the small guys. He says this is beyond bullying. He feels like he's oh. being bullied by the space needle. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I mean, I can't believe that doesn't happen. I mean, anytime you have a skyline of Seattle in anything – there's going to be a resemblance to the Space Needle, right? I'm surprised yeah, it doesn't happen Yeah, a spokesperson more. from the Space Needle actually said, I didn't get that part of the article. Yeah. She said, you'd be surprised how little this happened. We never get to this point. It's I weird. Think, I think it's probably because they probably send out a, de a cease and desist. People already and know. We, and, we, and we curtail it before it ever gets to this point. We ask people not to do it. Anyway, this one got wow. to this point. 
What do you think Barry Ackerley paid for that logo behind your right ear there with the, <laughs> the space? Do you think he was paying every year for that? I mean, no. <laughs> I don't think so either. Courtside seats. Yeah, there you go. Courtside seats for the Space Needle. Yeah. Wow, the Space Needle bullying people. Who knew they yeah. had it in them? Yeah. All right, this sounds kind of like a dream and a nightmare at the same time. Two people got trapped in a chocolate factory vat. A vat of melted chocolate. Not on purpose, I, we think. But And they required a Jaws of Life type rescue oh to get God. them out. <laughs> it sounds like something out of Willy Wonka. It yes. went down Thursday at an M&M Mars plant in Lancaster County, not too far from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Sure. It's unclear right now how the two people fell in the vat, but authorities oh, reportedly God. had to cut a hole in the side of the tank to get them out. Both people survived. That sounds kind of awesome. It does. It kind of does. It does. <laughs> just, just, just like bringing it towards yeah. your face. And yeah. That. Yeah. But if you couldn't get out, it'd be a little scary. If you- I'd be better off with vanilla than chocolate, though. I got another lawsuit. Okay. Geico, your friends at Geico. Do you own any Geico insurance? I don't, but I do like their commercials often. You do? Yeah. They, no Geico cute. car insurance. No Geico home insurance. I think we're Pemco no all the way. No Geico uh, motorcycle insurance or boat insurance. No. Nothing. Okay. Geico has been ordered to pay $5.2 million in damages to a woman. Okay. Let's play a little game, Hotshot. <laughs> okay. What is it that the woman contended happened that the court system has ordered Geico to pay her $5.2 million in damages? I mean, she was driving a car and got in an accident and... Okay. She was in a car, but she wasn't driving. She was in a car and wasn't driving. Nobody was driving. And she's getting $5.2 million. $5.2 million. She contracted a sexually transmitted disease in the insured vehicle of her then boyfriend. No, no, no joke. On Tuesday. <laughs> Come on. Listen, on Tuesday, the Missouri Court of Appeals, Western District, published an opinion in favor of the woman. She's oh identified gosh. as MO. She alleges that she contracted HPV oh, yeah, sure. during a sexual... <laughs> Just the way you said that. <laughs> I'm familiar, yeah, yes. Okay, sure. HPV during a sexual encounter in the insured's vehicle in 2017. MO asserted that her then-boyfriend's car insurance policy covers her injuries and losses in Unreal. a claim. Geico turned down her claim, so she took matters to an arbitrator who found that the insured was negligent, infecting M.O. with HPV, and awarded her $5.2 million in damages this past Tuesday. I have so many questions, I don't know where to start. Go ahead. How can they determine... By the way, before you ask your questions, how many questions do you have? I just have one. Okay. I'm not going to answer any of them. But I want to listen to this one. Just want to talk to myself? Yeah. How can they determine exactly when somebody contracts an STD? How can they determine that? They can't. I mean, they can get pretty close to find out when people get pregnant. You can't tell when somebody contracted an STD. That I don't get. Also, lawyers sometimes, no offense to your father, can be the worst people on earth, but sometimes they're the best people on earth. (laughs) Whatever lawyer won this case and got her $5.2 million, that is worth law school right there. That's incredible that a lawyer looked at this and said, I think we got something here. And do you think Geico paid them out just to get away from me? Like, or no, no, I actually... No, Geico challenged it. Okay. And then it went to court. And she got a ruling in her favor of $5.2 million. And now they just See, have I, to you, you have not asked the question that I, th- I... You've not gone down the path that I thought Hotshot would go down. And I'm thankful for it. 
because I, 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 I truly thought. Really? Yeah, you were going to ask a different question. I, I really don't want to tell you what it is. And now I, I feel like I have. Yeah, to. you have to now. I really thought you were going to say, if she was posed with the option originally. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> is it worth it for you? <laughs> That's where I thought you were going to go. Yeah. If she was told, okay, HPV, yeah. 5.2 million. Yeah, she's taking it. She's taking the money. <laughs> was that the human papilloma virus? Is that what that yes, is? Yes, I yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it stands for. Does, I mean, does this sort of go along with what we talked about about the the high speed chase and how like you you can't you can't chase people and you get out of tickets and all that? Did someone send you this story as kind of a No, no, no. I saw this that? is a big story. This is all over. This was in <sighs> USA Today. This was in uh this was on this was a big story. Think I mean, about, think about it. It's a big story. It's crazy. I just don't this know. This is Geico. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like, the lizard, the little lizard guy. Sure, yeah. He's, he had to go into his wallet for $5.2 million. <laughs> Well, he's a gecko, but yes, a Ge- lizard as well. Yes, oh, gecko, Geico, yes. Yeah. I just don't know how they could confirm that that happened in that car. I mean, how? I, how? How do they know that? I don't get it. Well, uh, do you really? Do I really want to do this? Yes, you do. What if there was only one physical experience between the two of them? Okay. Not easy to prove, but okay. What if that only one physical interaction happened in the car? Okay. What if he tested positive for that? Yeah, okay. You call it a disease? Yes, a disease. Yep. And now she's tested positive for that disease. What if all of those things (sighs) are true, what I just said? I don't know. I'm making things up as I go along. (laughs) Trying to answer your question. That's what we do here. (laughs) Clearly, whatever the standard was of proof that she received the sexually transmitted disease in the car, whatever the standard was, she proved it. She proved it's it. It's crazy. Because that's not, you're bringing up an issue that's not even the issue. Yeah. That's not really the issue here. The issue is, does Geico, as the insurer of the dude's car, are they on the hook for her injuries that happened in the in the car that's not being driven? It's technically an injury, I guess. I guess it is, yeah. right? That's really the story. But of course, you want to say, <laughs> you want to make it about how do they really know? The precedent that this sets <laughs> is unreal. I don't know. How many people now? A lot of people do things in cars. Are, I, you know, I, you know, this is this can't be the le- the first time that a, a sexually transmitted disease was communicated in a think car. So? Over oh, you the don't years. think it's the first time, huh? No, no. Is, that, is that what you think? Are you watching the NBA Finals at all? I mean, a little like, bit, not really. Well, a little bit, not really. And by the way, I'm out of stories. That's my last story. All right. Well, your buddy Clay Thompson is straight pissed off over the. Fu Draymond chants that were raining down. Oh, I didn't down. know that. No. Oh yeah, he was yeah. ripping Celtic fans for uh, yeah chanting that. He says we've played in front of rude people before, dropping f bombs with children in the crowd. Real classy. Good job, Boston. Steve Kerr chimed into, you know, not happy with the the Boston fans. They got the last FU. laugh. They won the game that they were supposed to win, Game Four. Yeah. As we record this, I guess they're playing Game Five. Oh, we got to get out of here. I got a couple no. RIPs. No. Yes, please. Now I had a feeling you would know George Thompson. Basketball player, one of the greatest players in the history of Marquette basketball. No, yeah, okay. doesn't mean anything. To Seventy-four me. years old. No, sorry. I, I brought him in. Th- I thought for sure he was uh, somebody. Sorry, he he was a standout at Marquette from '66 to '69, playing under Al McGuire. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll skip him. One of the most legendary interviews I ever did. Al McGuire. Yep. Before just before he died. Yep. Do we have it? Can you play it? Oh yeah, you're not allowed to. <laughs> Never mind. Forget it. I told you he, the. 
One of the lines that he said is when a New Yorker calls you, yeah. ignore the first two things that he says because he's really calling about the third thing that he said. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right, I got one more RFP. Yes, You'll know yes. the name. Well, Jim Seals. Crosby, Seals, and Nash? No. Uh, no, that'd be Crosby. Stills and Nash. <laughs> Steven Stills is in that okay, group. sorry. Yes, but he is one half of the 70s hit-making duo Seals and Croft. That's what I meant. That's what you that's meant. That's what I yes. meant. What is it? Seals and what? Croft. Yeah. Seals Crofts and Croft. with an S on the yes, end. Yes, I yeah. do. That's what I meant. He's dead after battling multiple health issues. He had several health issues, primarily with his kidneys and lungs, and he just gotten home from the hospital. Sorry, yeah. But yeah, me too. But you would know their what what's their big smash? I feel like I should know a few of their songs. Yeah. Wouldn't I? The the big one everyone knows is Summer Breeze makes me feel fine. Yeah, that's so Summer Breeze was just huge one. Uh, they had Diamond Girl and Get Closer, and they yeah, first split up in 1980 but reunited. So, anyway, rest in peace to Jim Seals. All right, I got a few headlines, then yeah. get out of here. A yep. British man throws a tortilla more than 90 feet for really? a Guinness World Record. 90 feet. 90 for a feet, yeah. I, I, personally, I think it's bullshit. I've seen some pretty pissed off customers in Taco Bell at 3 a.m. who beat him all day long. A British martial artist broke a decade-old Guinness World Record by deadlifting 285 pounds with a single finger. Sadly, the man only has one nostril after the 2005 booger-picking incident. Dozens of members of the right-wing group Patriot Front were detained and charged with conspiracy to riot after the police said they received a tip that a group of people had jumped into a U-Haul van near a gay pride event in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. The investigation is still ongoing, and the police are still trying to determine what the plural form is for group of virgins. Long way to go for that. A Greenville police officer was <laughs> arrested. Winding road there. <laughs> a Greenville police officer was arrested by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation after using a law enforcement database to search for information about his ex-wife and ex-girlfriend. Wait, so any married any married person with a Facebook account is committing a felony every week? I mean, who the hell doesn't spy on their exes? And finally, an Indiana man who noticed some unusual lumps and a catfish that he reeled in by his friend said he was cleaning the fish at home when he discovered the contents uh, of its stomach uh-oh. included a phallic adult toy. As someone who doesn't fish, <laughs> I finally understand hanging out and drinking all day on a boat with your pals. It actually kind of makes sense now. That old excuse. Oh, boy. I found it in the fish excuse. <laughs> yeah, all right. Whatever, fisherman. The U.S. Open golf tournament begins. We've got the... Uh, the official U.S. Open pool presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com. Enter your picks before Thursday. Just pick five guys and be a part. $500 to the winner. Top 20 get paid. Let's go. Episode, what, 194 now in the books.